Hello there, you normally would be $5 plus backer you. It's uh, Kevin and Joe here. Hello. Hi. And we're going to be reviewing SummerSlam 2016. Hooray. Can you believe it's been a whole year? A whole year. Since we started Oh yeah, I should specify. It's not just been a whole year. This is when wrestling began. Well done, wrestling. This is your first anniversary. <laughs> Can you believe it's a whole year since a young Vince McMahon decided to yeah, start this whole since... WWE concept? Wow. He had such a strong start, I Feels thought. like a lot's happened in that year. I think after the first year, though, he'll learn some lessons with injuries and the like, and we can move <laughs> forward from that. But of course, it has been one whole calendar year since you kind of started watching the shows with a view to reviewing them and trying to keep up with everything and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a one year since like me considering this being kind of a bit of my job yeah so previously i could watch pay-per-views and kind of zone out and not pay attention <laughs> i'm looking up stuff on the buffy wikipedia yeah. instead of watching this secretly right. watching like bojack horseman on netflix at the same time but now i have to actually pay attention to things it's a hard life so it's been one year of that it how's has it been? been it's been it's been good yeah Ups and downs? Ups and downs, of course. Definitely I mean, some pay-per-views better than others. It'd be nice to kind of say, like, oh, we started watching a SummerSlam and, God, kind of ropey few months there in terms of injuries and scary shit and weird shit happening, but it's all settled down now. It's SummerSlam <laughs> weekend. I was very, very proud of myself. If you have listened to our NXT TakeOver and Holy Foley review over on Patreon, you'll know that I managed to somehow insulate myself from all of the spoilers. I'd like to take a chance to thank both myself, Joe, and EE for making that possible. <laughs> yeah, thanks, EE. It's really hard. It's really easy to not get spoiled when you don't have internet. Yeah, thanks, EE. EE, obviously, they've really got the heart of this podcast yeah. and uh, and how to wrestling. They in were mind. like, we're gonna make the internet go live end of August, and then they were like, no, wait. Summer Slam's coming up. We should postpone that live date until September. Yeah, so. let, let's save that to like say that the start of Oh, hang on one second. That's, that's a phone call from the CEO of EE. The CEO. What's that? Oh, right. Yeah, it's one of the biggest wrestling weekends ever. And there's loads of wany, zany and wacky news. Better give it another few days then so you don't really know when the internet's going to be activated. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for Thanks that. Thanks so much. Just so you know, on the good grace of the neighbour whose Wi-Fi I've been nicking to upload episodes. Yeah. You're a greater hero than uh, you'll ever know. So thank you very much, unguarded Netgear Fox. <laughs> so obviously going into this, there was a lot of big news. Um, least of all, of course, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2, which was fucking Awesome and phenomenal. That's a bit of a mouthful for the name, I must say. NXT TakeOver 2 Brooklyn? TakeOver Brooklyn 2? NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2. Yeah. The sequel. The sequel. Well, they took over Brooklyn last year. NXT TakeOver Con- Brooklyn, Brooklyn Harder. Continu- continuing to take over Brooklyn. Yeah. But it was a really busy weekend for wrestling. And, you know, this is a new thing only since you started watching, which is SummerSlam is now this ridiculously big weekend that has... A whole load of shows, you know, all the wrestling world kind of descends upon Brooklyn now. You've got fan access, you've got all these shows. And what you have as well here with this SummerSlam as a result was a four-hour show with a two-hour pre-show at the top. So is that not how it used to go down? No, I mean, SummerSlam used to be like three hours 
tops. Wow. And that's it, start to finish. Because it feels a lot like SummerSlam's kind of like the secondary WrestleMania. It is. They're, they're, they're trying to make it that now. And they're doing a good job of that. They are. I mean, I'm all for, you know, I think if you can make wrestling into an event kind of weekend. Mm. I mean, if you just even look at the social media, wrestling was just everywhere all over the past seven days. It just completely dominated. Yeah. And they did a really good job with that. Flip side of that, though, that's a lot of fucking wrestling to watch. It's Yeah, it's a lot of wrestling. Especially when you haven't got an internet connection as well. Yeah, but really trying to catch up on it Precariously using your personal hotspot through 3G. Like. So what we will say is that we didn't watch the pre-show. And I'm kind of glad for that. Also, we didn't watch this show live, which I'm even more glad for. Mm. Because this show had its ups and its downs. But I'm pretty sure if I had to do that six hours in a row... You know, the middle of the fucking night on a Sunday. Yeah, we literally wouldn't have stopped watching until, what, 6am? Probably, really yeah. It would have been around about then. It's like when we watched WrestleMania, it just kind of never yeah. ended. Now, so when we're reviewing this, do understand we both got a nice big sprinkling of, we watched this over two or three evenings. So our opinions are probably nicer than the opinions of people who have watched it live. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be of swirling a nice glass of Pinot Grigio going, oh, I'm enjoying this Finn Balor character as much if I had like four and a half hours in and slammed a bottle against the wall going, oh, what is <laughs> What's happening? Even though we split it up, though, over a couple of days, it still felt like a fucking huge amount of wrestling. It like, was a lot of wrestling. Too much wrestling. And I think as well, because TakeOver was so good, I think yeah. we had the same problem at WrestleMania. When you like have like a show which is basically like, hey, here's like, you know, it's be- it was. TakeOver was a better show than SummerSlam. I'll say that off the, the bat for... But I don't think anyone is going to dispute... I mean, a two-hour wrestling show is a lot more fun. I actually might dispute that. You think? Oh, I feel really like such a mediocre wrestling fan for saying it. But I, I mean, I really did enjoy SummerSlam, mm. except for the fact that it was just so long. I think as well what you were quite happy about this SummerSlam was the fact that you managed to keep a secret from me the whole time. Oh, it was gleeful. But you were being quite the little mouser there with all of your insider info. Yeah. Uh, keeping it, withholding it from me. Was that a good feeling of power to have over me as a wrestling oh, fan? Oh, it was fantastic because normally you're the one who knows the inside scoops. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot of scoops, obviously, happening over SummerSlam. Loads of scoops. So many scoops. I was so hard keeping them from you for, like, five days. You were kind of like... I don't want to say you tortured me. I did torture you. But, I mean, you know, I got you a nice Christmas present one year, and I was a bit of a dick about keeping it secret. So, I mean, this is probably turned about fair play. Because <laughs> at the start of this fucking four-hour behemoth, I basically got into my head because Joe was like, shit's gone down. I'm like, right everyone's going to be injured. <laughs> which doesn't fucking help when the first mass match involves Enzo Amore, by the way, folks. No. It's like, everyone's going to be injured. Someone's, like, Lesnar's going to fucking take his dick out or something like that. It's just going to be really terrible. <laughs> I kept telling Kevin that John Cena had died. That was the big news. And that's why he hadn't come across it, because, like, not been on social media. I'm, like, our third sitting down to watch this show, and I, like, given up on, like, trying to guess what it was. And I was just like, is Vince McMahon, is he just, like, is he gay? Is he just come out now as a gay person? Is he the new gay character, like, yeah, on screen? Yeah, because they keep talking about bringing out these LGBT characters, and maybe that was it. <laughs> Vince all along. That's what I thought, yeah, like in the middle of the show, Vince is just gonna come out in like, you know, a rainbow robe and then pull off his hood and it's me like <laughs> what? I'm all about equal representation, but I don't like this a damn bit <laughs> But you know, it wasn't any of those things. I think now that like a week has passed, 
I think it's all kind of cooled down a little bit. Yeah, everything kind of seems to be okay. Except myself had to Finn Balor. Well, he seems... Fucking hell. He seems all right, though. Have you seen the pictures he's been posting? Yeah, you see him fucking smiling all the time. Doing that weird... What is that pose he always does in every photograph? It's called being Irish and happy. What? It's just he's happy. He's he always smiling. Like a pencil. What? Have you not seen it? Every photo he takes of himself, he has this weird position where he like puts his arms straight down by his side and yeah. stands really straight and tall like a pencil. Well, he's a good Catholic upbringing there. Stand up fucking straight, like. But he gets like other people to do it with him. Good, he took a picture of him and the surgeon, and they're both doing this like weird upright smile. Maybe their real upright stance is what you know led to the tension that you know hurt his elbow in the end. But we're gonna <laughs> go through these matches here and see what we thought of them. As I said, we didn't watch the pre-show but the pre-show didn't really have anything any matches on it that I would say were big from a storyline point of view other than I think it's worth mentioning Seamus and Cesaro I bet those are two guys who you wish god I hope they those two could tangle a few more times because they seem to have wrestled each other a trillion times. Yeah, seriously. Actually, I'm kind of gutted we missed the match with Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, though. I've that, not that's seen, a team I'd like to see, yeah. I've not seen Adrian Neville wrestle since before he got injured. You'd think that'd be weird since he's come back and he's got a beard that he'd be wrestling a little bit more. Well, I don't know. Is he? I mean, I've not been watching... He's been here. We've the, not had internet. I've not watched the live show like each week. So. He's, he's been he's been sporadically appearing. Okay. On to Cesaro and Sheamus, though. Just so you know, yes, we did miss this match that they had here. But that was the first in a new best of seven series that Sheamus and Cesaro are going to be having. Are you serious? Yeah. So they're going to wrestle each other a best of seven series. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were. Well, my on... thoughts of that are fire whoever's idea that was because that's terrible. Why is it a terrible idea? Haven't they already wrestled a hundred times? They've, they've probably wrestled like at least 700 times I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So why do we need to see them wrestle another seven times? To see who's the man, who's truly the the best. What I hate about this, though, is that... Okay, now, people know my thoughts on Seamus. I know some people were quite... I think they were quite... I don't want to say offended, but maybe their tastes were a little bit insulted that I didn't like him. And I've got to emphasise now... I don't like Seamus as a wrestler, not because I know loads about him. My thoughts are very well informed. Mm. I've only seen him wrestle, like, the same three guys. It's true. And only in the last, like, year. So I'm sure it's not examples of his, you know, best examples of wrestling. But yeah, I just don't want... I love Cesaro, but I wish he was given the kind of push that Seamus sometimes gets given. It seems like the two of these guys, it's kind of like, hey, let's elevate them both, as opposed to what it really feels like, which is Mick Foley and Stephanie McMahon slowly walking around the two of them with police tapes as do not cross, do not not push. And they're just going to be, no, we have to wrestle for another six (laughs) pay-per-views. Is that really how they're six pay-per-views? Well, I think it'll be six. I mean, they've got three-hour Raws to fill, so I can imagine you'll have at least one or two of those will be on Raws, but the two of them are really hooked up now for the foreseeable future. Ah, Jesus Christ. There's been best of seven series before, and best of five series and stuff like that. I can't imagine that being a good idea unless the feud is really well established. Like, I could imagine a Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, down the line, having something like that. As in, we have to prove who's best, but, um, I mean, what's particularly strange about it is, I mean, what do you think the winner of this best of seven series gets? Because they've done these before and it's been for like the US Championship or number one contendership or something like that. Or Is it for bragging rights? It's, it's literally for nothing. Foley has alluded on TV saying that like whoever, 
whoever impresses him might get a championship match. Don't know what championship. And then I think they did a thing on the like on the app where Cesaro was like, oh, I've been told that I'll get a championship match if I win this. But it's like, <laughs> you're going to wrestle each other seven times, lads. I mean, you want to establish what this is for Why first. are they even feuding? Is there an established storyline of like why... Just the two of them were both like felt they didn't want to be on Raw and they both felt held in and it was kind of like, hey, we got an idea. The two of you wrestle each other's best of seven series because I don't know. That is so lazy. I'm sorry, but you either need some kind of thing that they're fighting each other for or some reason that they hate each other so much they have to keep fighting each other seven times. I mean, I'm all for smoke and mirrors, but when you were basically doing a feud here, which is you guys right in front of me going, how are we going to fill three hours? I don't know. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's kind of a little bit of that. But getting into the main show, our opening contest, which was Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, a dream team, Jericho. Very much so. Taking on our dream team, our boys, Enzo More and Big Cass. How awesome was it to see Enzo and Cass come out in front of Brooklyn for SummerSlam as opposed to the NXT show this year? It was great, but it kind of seemed natural yeah it, 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 it didn't feel like whoa there's so many of those NXT guys who are there now where it just feels like yeah of course it's not like oh man I'm so happy yeah. it's just like you're not your part of the show let's go it's the, your rightful place and it worked perfectly Enzo and Cass are such great like show openers I think absolutely they come out getting the crowd hyped up but not exhausting them Enzo yeah will always get the people kind of yeah. fired up and ready to go I think Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens that is a beautiful match That whoever came up with that is yeah, give them a raise. Because they've obviously got great chemistry in terms of as two wrestlers. You know, they did some cool double team moves. But what I love most about it is just the two of them have this weird, like, as if the two shittiest heels of the company have begrudgingly become friends and now realise they love each other because they're both dickheads. Yeah. I love that so fucking much because at the start, Jericho was like, you know, I've got someone to watch my back. And it's like, who is it? Joey Jojo Shevadu. Who's that? <laughs> You've never heard of him? And Kevin Owens is like, oh, I'll be your partner. Yeah, so I told you, Kevin Owens is my partner. <laughs> yeah. So I think these two, I mean, Owens was blowing kisses to Jericho in this. Owens kept like hugging him and saying, I love you. And he, then he would run to the corner and yeah. hold his tummy as well. I love that. That's like, so cute. Are they a cuter couple than Enzo and Cass? I think they might be. Have you begun to notice a bit of a pattern with Enzo and Cass's matches? I'm just asking this solely now as, like, you watch them for quite a while. But in terms of, like, who gets beat up or... Oh, you mean that Cass comes out, he kind of does the main running around, bringing the crowd hyped up. (laughs) The main bit? He does, like, the main bit at the beginning where he, like... If my wrestling terminology was better, I'd be able to describe this more coherently. But, you know, um, Enzo comes out. Mm -hmm. He does a bit of fighting. Yeah. He does get a few offensive moves in these days, unlike when I first started watching. He just no n- never get a move in at all. Um, but he kind of seems to like get the crowd going a bit. Yeah. Then he gets beaten up. <laughs> then he keeps trying to go for the hot tag for Big Cass, but he won't quite make it. And his opponent will always drag him back and keep him from tagging in Cass. And eventually he'll get the tag. Cass will come in and beat everyone up. Then Cass will tag back out, throw Enzo in the ring as like some kind of weapon. And then either and they'll then win or lose, depending on what it is. Yeah. <laughs> is that I mean, about right? That's pretty much it, exactly. And I feel really ashamed that, like, me and Adam, there was a very similar tag team we talked about in the Ash Tudera podcast. And it essentially took us the better part of 20 years to figure out that that was their routine. <laughs> <laughs> you have in one year. 
surmised Enzo and Cass. I'm just wondering, like, if it's predictable with a tag team like that, when you've got a big guy and a small guy, and Enzo, I, I love Enzo, but I don't think his offense is really up to much. I mean, really, I really love I mean, it's Some of not... his DDT off the top rope, I think, is really cool. But some of his stuff is a little bit like it's not. He's not on the level of maybe some of the other guys. His offense doesn't look like bam, but he's a smaller guy, I guess. So it's gonna be like that. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I was just wondering though: is is it bad for a tag team if the routine is really like predictable? Because what you said there, I mean, Enzo and Cass could probably have a match tomorrow night on Raw or whatever, and there's a good chance that that might be the format for it. Is that, is that going to get in the way of you enjoying them as a tag team? Do you think? Or I think there's more to it than that. I can't definitely a routine like that can become stale very quickly and it's Mm. something I think you have to be kind of aware of as a tag team but routine can also be a good thing I think in Enzo and Cass's case because they're often against quite talented opponents you don't get much more talented than Jericho and Kevin yeah like it's always quite fresh who their opponents are and Enzo and Cass are such great entertainers that you kind of actually, you come to love the routine rather mm. than dread it. It's kind of like, yes, I, I, I know this formula and I'm really excited just to kind of be fed my favourite meal, you know. I'm going to come across like such a Vince McMahon here, but I love seeing Big Cass clear the ring. Yeah, Because he great. is, like, he looks, they've done such a good job with him, whoever's like helping him. Because he, I remember like when he first started, I never bought that he was a big guy. I just, he seemed like another, like, I'm talking way back, like, two years ago. Right. He just seemed like another tallish, stretched out guy. Because I must admit, when I first started watching, I just thought he was a, yeah, a tall guy who seemed a bit awkward. But when he clears the ring now with his big boots and his slams and his big elbows, it's like, fuck yeah. And, like, he doesn't do anything, like, spectacular. I mean, he does a, his big move, the Empire Elbow, is just a big elbow drop. Mm. But it's like, hey, look at that fucking seven-foot guy jump really high. Yeah. And he's got great energy about him as well. I love, I could watch Big Cast Clear House like all day long. His I don't mind it's the routine, I guess. facial expressions have come a long way as well. Yeah. Like you really get, when, when Enzo's reaching for that tag, you really feel for Cast like, yes, go well, on. I like when Cast just comes into the ring and says, how are you doing? And then does that kind of weird panther, ha! <laughs> his teeth kind of protrude out of his mouth. He's kind of scary in a way. I just, I'm dreading the day when he's going to turn heel because he's going to beat the shit out of Cast when he does. What about when... Uh... What, you mean what Enzo's going to... No, I think Cass is going to turn heel eventually. Oh, you said he's going to beat the shit out of Cass. I think Enzo turning heel would be uh, would be terrifying. Yeah, laying, laying out big Cass. I don't want someone, though, with that many words to be a bad guy. He'll yeah. really hurt everyone's feelings. But Jericho and Owens won this match when they did... It didn't go quite smoothly, but I guess it probably... I mean, when this finishing move happened where... Kevin Owens did his pop-up powerbomb setup, and then Enzo got caught with Jericho's codebreaker. We hit him with the knees. He did hit all of it. It looked a little bit shonky. Enzo kind of tripped on Owens' shoulder. But I always say, if you're watching with a new fan, like I was with Joe, and they didn't think it was a botch, then it's probably okay. Yeah, I didn't realise that was a botch. It, it looked just like Enzo had been killed. <laughs> Poor yeah. <man. laughs> So yeah, a nice opener to, to get people going here. It was a little long, I guess, because I think what was really a problem with this show was there's so many times where kind of like, it felt like, all right, we're halfway through, you know, kind of getting mm. there now, and then we're like, no, nah, we're like half an hour in, yeah. kind of. And a lot, there was only three or four times in the show when that happened. Yeah, there were a lot of big matches. It big was kind of like when you go to a tasting menu and you kind of get given a, a big burger and fries for the first course yeah. and then like a big steak and chips for the second course and then like 
spaghetti carbonara for the third because it's a huge great big portion it just, yeah it's, it's a it's lot like of very fun. nice but pace it out a bit so up next we had our women's championship on the line as the champion Sasha Banks who won it a few weeks ago on Raw in an awesome match taking on Charlotte with Dana Brooke barred from ringside um, this match for me got really scary I'm not going to blame you because <laughs> <laughs> but Sasha took a spill quite early into this where she was in the corner and looked like she landed right in her head. Mm. And the match really slowed down for a few moments and I was convinced that Sasha was like, had broken her fucking neck or something terrible. Mm. She is off for a little bit though. There is an injury she's dealing with. Yeah, I heard that she did get injured. I don't know if it was from that match or something else that she is slightly injured but they're making out as though she's more injured so that she can take her honeymoon because she got married recently. What is it with... Because it, it seems to just be with the women wrestlers at the moment. I'm not sure why, but... Remember there was this with Sasha and again early in the year and with Paige a whole bunch of times where it's like, something's wrong. Like, we know that much because they're not on TV or they're written off. Mm. But you don't know what it is. Yeah, it's really strange. And I guess it's like, right, they're not suspended, obviously. They've not violated the wellness policy, whatever. But, like, they're hurt or they're injured. And for whatever reason, the flow of information just isn't well, there, you think know? about NXT with Dana Brooke when she was injured. No, no. No one. information. Oh, no, it all. was Asuka. Totally Asuka, oh, remember? Oh, sure it was. Yeah, yeah, Asuka with that perfectly safe hip attack from uh, Breaking Ground, which mm. made Dana Brooke cry. Come, what was wrong with you? I don't know. It makes me quite paranoid about, like, what it could be. I'm just impressed that they managed to, like... For some things now, they just seem to have, like... If they want to put a lid on the info... They'll put a lid on the info and with all the insiders and all the leaks and all the rumours that are spread, no one can really tell you 100% either way. But so. why is it only the women that this seems to happen to? I don't know. That's that's. I mean, I guess it could just be like sheer luck, the fact that there was just a number of wrestlers who just happened to be women that these things have happened to in the past year. But it just felt like there's been a lot of... Like, I couldn't tell you what's been... Like, I know Sasha's been on and off injured and not injured or possibly injured. And yeah. Short of passive-aggressive Tumblr posts from her, I'm not really sure half the time what's going on. So, mm. I, and obviously, as a Sasha Banks fan, I need to know these things. Yeah. <laughs> this match, though, I mean, I really enjoyed, but I didn't feel like it picked up after that injury scare. But that was maybe just me. Yeah, I, was I really worried. enjoyed the match, but maybe because I knew that she was okay. Yeah. So, like before I watched the match. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, high energy and I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was interesting its placement in the card that was kind of so high up the card, but they went like hell for leather down the stretch. Like they really, really started pulling out all the stops. Like this was, you know, like one of the last matches of the night. And I can't help but wonder that there were so many instances like that earlier on in the card where it's like, boom, big fucking, like, oh, are they going to get the ropes? All these big spots. And then it's kind of like, whoo! You know, at the end of this match, I probably needed a cigarette kind of thing. And then it's like, nope, there's another two or three matches which are going to do that exact same kind of build you up, tear you down. At least another two. At least another two. I was a bit exhausted, I guess, towards the end. I guess it's not a bad problem for a show to have where it's got so many big, big matches that they have to get on the card. I'd say it is a problem. It's not the worst problem you can have. There's definitely, you know, I'd rather it be that way around than than the other way around, in which case, you know, all the matches are terrible. Yeah. But I do think it's important to have that pacing. Same as in, you know, in in a wrestling match itself, you need that pacing in the crowd for the whole show as well. You, You need 
at least a little bit of a breather every so often. There's got to be more going through your mind than value for money, which yeah. is what I feel they think they're giving here with all these, like, you know, it's value for money. What are you talking about? You know, four-hour show, two-hour pre-show, nine ninety-nine. I love it, Michael. Uh, yeah. I just really feel like <laughs> Summer Sam could have benefited quite a lot from a goofy, gimmicky kind of match. Just slow it down a little bit, yeah. like kind of a little bit of a... Oh, Something where fun. we're not genuinely worried someone's going to get injured or killed. I think maybe just at one point, you know, halfway through the show, Bobby Roode just come down and you know, cast his wizard magic and make <laughs> his name appear on screen and just dance around a little bit and then leave. Yeah. Everyone would have been happy. I'm happy to see Charlotte as champion again. When I was watching this match, one of the main things that was going through my mind, other than, oh, I hope Sasha's not dead, is it's been essentially a full year since our women's revolution, formerly Divas Revolution, started. And I like to think that they've come a long way, seeing as you know, when we started, we had the kind of awkwardness of Team Bad and Team Bella... And the submission sorority, which then became Team ABC or NBC. (laughs) But when we started doing this podcast, I wouldn't think in a year's time we would be calling them women, not divas. (laughs) I certainly didn't think I'd be seeing Sasha and Charlotte Banks going one-on-one. And I certainly didn't think we'd be looking at the women's championship again. So I have to say, a year on, even with a lot of bumps in the road, and there's still a lot to do, I'm happy to see progress is being made on the women's wrestling front. What do you think? I, obviously, I think they've come a long way, and uh, yeah, thanks for calling us women now, rather than the ridiculous term divas. Divas! Thanks for that one. The Um, best thing about when they were called divas was that the ring announcer at the time, Justin Roberts, couldn't say divas, he had to go, divas! Yeah. Uh, The divas championship! But I think there's still such a long way to go. I mean, what, there's nine matches on this? Only two for the women. And only two? Like, come on, that's that's not a quality. <laughs> I, I <laughs> Don't be kidding yourselves now. I'd like to think that, I mean, particularly on the SmackDown side of things, when it comes to you know, these two brands, Raw and SmackDown, having their... Because this is obviously was a Raw and SmackDown pay-per-view. Mm. Coming up soon now, we're going to start having our Raw-only pay-per-views or uh, SmackDown-only pay-per-views. And I'd like to think that they could see the sense, like NXT did, where they kind of start to put the women in a more prominent position to fill out those hours. But then NXT as well has gone back on its own kind of example. Because again, NXT is really low on... Like they're, they're hardly giving their women any time at the moment. I think they're, they kind of over-exported. You know, they sent out too many women before everyone was built up. Because the people that they were building up to kind of go, Oh, right. You know, when Sasha and Bailey and all those go, we'll have Alexa and Carmella and now they're all gone as well. So they've kind of, they've started from scratch like twice now, you know, within six months. But I I think as we said on the takeover, Ember Moon, Nikki Storm, Asuka, there's a lot to be excited about, I guess, going forward. Yeah, definitely. But I just think that there's, I'm a little bit worried that they're perhaps resting on their laurels a little bit, seeing as they've kind of given this whole women's revolution thing, they've entirely credited it to Charlotte, Sasha, Becky. What are you talking about? Stephanie McMahon, mate. She's the, <laughs> she's the genesis. Yeah, but I mean... Of the <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's a lot like... It's just focusing on four of them rather than women as a whole, yeah. which is really missing the point. Mm. Like, yeah, it's fantastic the work that they've done. They have really have helped bring women to the forefront of wrestling. But there's still so much more work that needs to be done. And I kind of am a bit worried that they're like, oh, look, we're, we're really great with our women wrestlers now because of these four. And we had our main event kind of on NXT, so therefore we've done it all. Yeah. I hope they kind of keep it up, basically. Yeah, yeah, they, they do realise there's more than just 
those ones. Well, if they don't, I mean, if they don't keep up that momentum, or if I really would say keep up the momentum, they have to they have to up the game, really. Because yeah. I'm looking now at this backlash show that's coming up here for SmackDown. And you know what? Those six women that they've got on SmackDown now are probably, you know, have got the greatest potential, I think, to really kind of help out that show. And yeah. they'd be really dumb not to kind of do that, you know? So Charlotte ended up winning here. So she's the champion again. Sasha has gone off to to have her honeymoon slash injury recuperation slash I don't know. She's may, might be Carmen San Diego kind of. Oh, I like that. You know, putting on a weird red trench coat, fucking around, stealing her art and stuff. She'd make a great Carmen. She San would, Diego. wouldn't she? Oh, you know, that'd be fantastic. But she's not here anymore for the time being. Yeah. However, good news. Raw right after this, we have Bailey up on the main roster now. Yeah. Officially. And Bailey has been slotted in to fight against Charlotte soon for the championship. Which is going to be so good. And ah. if they're remotely smart, Bailey will get their shit beaten out of her for the foreseeable future because I want Bailey to be like, you know, like the Sami Zayn thing. Yeah. I don't want her to pick up easy wins. I want that to be a long fight and a struggle because. I know her stuff from NXT. You know her stuff from NXT. Those little boys and girls who I think Bailey can make into hyper fans who maybe haven't got the network and don't watch all the NXT shows. Mm. They need that story to be told to them. And I think Bailey can be such a huge star. I hope they don't fuck it up. I think it's going to do a huge amount of good for Charlotte as well because obviously Charlotte's very comfortable wrestling Bailey. They've they've got this long history of, yeah. of wrestling together. And also, I think that's kind of the one thing that Charlotte's not really had a chance to benefit from is, and I, I'm sure some people will disagree with me here, but I think she needs a proper, true, white meat baby face like Bailey. Yeah. I know she's had Natalia, but Natalia has been too yeah. fickle in the past to kind of like be With ba- Bailey is so pure, I think that yeah. Charlotte can be really mean. Really <laughs> mean, yeah. Mean. yeah. Because I feel there were so many times where Charlotte was kind of like, Charlotte had some really cutting lines about Sasha. She called him like a pound shop, Nicki Minaj, or words to that effect, mm. with her, you know, her cheap costume jewelry. And then Sasha was like, "I'm going to beat the shit out of you," and said all these really cutting things about her. And it's like, because Sasha's so fucking cool. Yeah. Whereas I think Charlotte can say something mean about Bailey, and Bailey can just be like, "Oh, dang," <laughs> and then kids will be like, "No," and then eventually Bailey can overcome her, yeah. but I don't want to see her overcome any Not obstacles yet. for at least six months Bailey I love you but I don't want to see you having any happiness <laughs> it's true that she's such a good underdog and that is a really rare skill yeah we're going to toy st- I want to toy story 3 the children fans of, of WWE yes, we're going to traumatise them but then we're going to make it all okay yeah you know? <laughs> up next we had The Miz Taking on Apollo Crews. Now, Apollo, we were big fans of in NXT, I think. I loved Apollo Crews, yeah. Notice your use of the past tense there. Yep. We'll pick up on that in a second. And Apollo, I think when he went to Raw, he got pushed after WrestleMania up onto that main roster. I think we pretty much agreed that it was not the best move. His no. character was ill-defined. He had like shaky matches with the likes of Jericho and fucking that one with Sheamus was awkward. And it just felt like a lot of the stuff that he was doing, it was like he was holding back. He's not doing the flips and the credible athletic things that I know would make the fans go, holy shit, look at this guy. Mm. He seems so normal. I think part of it's like the fluidity of his matches has changed slightly. He's still doing a couple of the high-flying-y flippy moves, but they seem to be kind of one-off things on their own, not in... I don't know if that's 
like obviously he's fighting the Miz here and he previously <laughs> was against Sheamus so it's, yeah they're like kind of opponents that weren't on the same tier it's very much that old WWE style yeah. as opposed to kind of like put him in there with a Neville or a Seth Rollins and we can see what this guy can really do well on NXT do. he was against so many guys on that equivalent skill or better yeah. that he really showed his, his abilities and I'm worried that putting him up against these kinds of people would be great if he had the mic skills but he's not but he's not quite there yet so we're just seeing kind of handsome charismatic muscle man who can do a kip up here and there and a backflip yeah and he gets beaten up all the time and he goes to Smackdown <laughs> and honestly he goes to Smackdown they're doing this whole thing on Smackdown where it's like you know hey we've got the new blood because even though Raw is kind of probably more the show that's closer to NXT in terms of its talent you know over there they're trying to push the likes of you know, your Baron Corbins your Callistos your Apollo Cruises, and they're doing a big thing to kind of make it like hey we're the new kids in town and we're, mm. we're trying to make it out on our own now The Miz entertaining as hell but fucking hell, if The Miz is literally like this meant to be coward champion, this weak old champion who always wins by like, he's been winning recently by his, his wife Maurice pretending she hurts her leg. Like last month she, he won his match by Bob Backlund being accused of hitting his wife, you know? It was funny at first and now I'm bored of it. But he beat Apollo Crews clean as a whistle. Yeah. I thought this was like, all right, Apollo's either going to win or Miz is going to fuck him over. And literally, the story of this match was, sorry, kid. Sorry, Apollo Crews. Sorry, Uha Nation. But you can't hang with the Miz. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the Miz. I love the Miz. Yeah, you know, we all I love do. the Miz. But we love to hate the Miz. Like, like that's... You know, I, I love the Miz, but I don't want the Miz to be in a position where he's like, sorry, kid. You know, do that with, like, maybe a likes of someone like a Callisto or, like, a real rookie character who's like, damn it, you know... I've got the skills, but Miz is just too crafty because he's a veteran or mm. he's broken the rules. But it's just, he's dumb. He just beat him with yeah. his finishing move as well. Because I was like, when he was going for the finishing move, this is like how anticlimactic this match was. As he was going for his finishing move and he hit his finisher, the skull-crushing finale, I turned to him and went, wow, turn up with the books for Apollo Crews. He's about to kick out of the Miz's finisher. One, two, three. I came to play. What? What? What happened? It was... Uh, strange. If you give Apollo Crews that belt, or just a win over The Miz, I mean, Jesus Christ, John Cena's just left. There's no one on SmackDown. What if not Apollo Crews? Who will you push? Yeah. This fucking like handsome Greek god body, like backflips and fucking. It's a shame because I kind of feel if they're not giving him the title because they feel he's not ready, the why have they put him in that position anyway? Oh, like, I don't keep the Miz strong, brother. But ugh. and it's really annoying because I feel like this is again an insult to the Miz's character in a way. He doesn't need to win clean fights against people like Apollo Crews. I mean, he had that fantastic promo against Daniel Bryan. Yes, about the, oh, him the character. Smack Talk, is it called? Yes, Smack Talks, yeah, they, they showed you after. And it was fantastic. Yeah. And if he's doing stuff like that, he doesn't really need to be defeating Apollo Crews. If anything, him defeating Apollo Crews gets in the way yeah, of his that character. character. Yeah, I think by him beating Apollo Crews, if you have someone now like Callisto turn around... It's just going like, there's no way you're going to be able to do it now, like where you can have a feud with The Miz, and if The Miz doesn't win clean or whatever, it's just... It's weird. It's, yeah, he's like a threat, but he's meant to be a threat in the ring, but he's also meant to be a complete coward goofball. It doesn't work. I mean, I always feel with The Miz, they're trying to like vaguely go for what Ric Flair's character was in the 80s, but it won't, it don't work. 
Also, it's quite, it's just insulting to Apollo Crews after so many times of the Miz winning out of dirty tactics, only for him to win clean over someone like Apollo. It's just, it doesn't. It's just strange to Apollo says you're not in the same level as you know as the Miz. So then, why have him there? Because uh, you could do that totally with a kind of goofy, weird character, but Apollo Crews. His main thing he's got going from is that he's this great wrestler and he's got the body of an Adonis. Like, come on. No, don't work apparently. Don't bury people like that. <laughs> Look, is if they kind of like were like, hey, we're gonna set up this feud where Apollo Crews give him the belt and they kind of go, actually, you know what? Maybe it's a little bit too soon because Apollo's not there yet. At least bury this on the pre-show. Don't yeah. put it right in the fucking front center here and kind of go, hey, everybody, you, Apollo Crews, you don't know him very much, but he's not as good as the Miz. See ya, bye. You know? Yeah, it's just I didn't like that at all. Honestly, I think the match could have done with not not happening at all. That's and that's the greatest uh, criticism of all. I it was would only have rather six the... minutes as well. And I still would have rather <laughs> it just not be there. And that icy belt kind of feels like it's not meaning yeah, at the moment as a result. So, well, our feelings were hurt and taken down a few pegs, but it all was worth it because coming up next. We had AJ Styles taking on John Cena. I guess, yeah, the Miz versus Apollo Crews was the breather that we were saying we needed, yeah. except in the form we didn't like. Yeah, it's just kind of like, let's just like kind of break something oh, inside. I really need a cup of tea before this uh, really hard-going slog. Oh, here's a cup of, like, green tea. <laughs> here's AJ Styles versus John Cena, and here's a match which I must say... I mean, you were watching me during this. I was like a fucking child. I, mm. fe- I felt like I was eight years old watching wrestling for Squealing the first time. and screaming. I was taken for the proverbial ride here. There are some people who aren't as maybe as keen on the fact that Styles and Cena seem to be epitomised that problem, that style that people have, which is too many finishers, too many kickouts, yada, yada, yada. Now, what's interesting about this match, and I know this from... Uh, from, from from my insider information, I got a subscription to the Wrestling Observer. <gasps> Shh, don't tell. Any time I go onto the website, though, I wear a fedora and big black sunglasses and a trench coat and look at it through a newspaper with eye holes cut out. <laughs> but apparently, this match was like twenty five minutes or thereabouts, mm-hmm. and nearly twenty of that was kickouts and near falls. As really? in, they went into finishers because Styles kicked out Cena's attitude adjustment. Cena kicked out of Styles, Styles Clash and the Phenomenal Forearm. Styles at one point kicked out of John Cena's finisher off the top rope. And that finisher off the top rope that John Cena does is basically as close as to what an actual finisher is these days, which is like, if you get that move at the top rope, you never kick out. And when Styles kicked out, I screamed, like, ah, like I jumped out of my seat. Mm. I was just, I, I don't care that they went all in on the near falls and all that that much I guess I mean I didn't notice that there was loads of finishes but I mean I don't know but I didn't know either. it was only afterwards where I was like whoa three quarters of that match was the finishing sequence so I don't even know what John Cena's finishes are ah, I know the one where he does the thing with the hand <laughs> the you can't see me is that what it's called? Well, yeah, he goes, he goes, you can't see me, and then he does the five-knuckle shuffle where he does his fist drop. Right. Yes, that is also a term for masturbating, you know, so uh, the five-knuckle shuffle. Ah. It's funny, because his, his finisher, the attitude adjustment, used to be called the FU, and they changed it from the FU, you know, to the attitude adjustment, to be a little bit PG. Used to have the STFU, changed it to the STF, again, PG. Five-knuckle shuffle, though, it's all right. Wankin's cool in my book, kids, yeah. <laughs> Ah, you gotta, t- you gotta do that move where you allude to wanking. Yeah, I love that move. Make sure you do that tonight. There's lots of kids in the audience. <laughs> but my main point with this, for anyone who will turn to this and kind of go, oh, too many finishers. What are you doing? 
I did too many, too many kickouts. And I know I've been somebody who's complained about kickouts and stuff in the past. But they were able to keep that pace up. Yeah. As in, if you can start like less than 10 minutes into your match, go and end the stretch with kickouts, big moves, holy shit. And it was as if they were lying there kind of going, Bleh, and the crowd was dead in between the spots. They had a pace in this match which was fucking phenomenal. Like, John Cena is such a big, muscly dude. Mm. And the fact that he was moving with AJ Styles, there was nothing AJ could do that John Cena couldn't keep up with him. No, absolutely. 100% of the way, John Cena was was totally keeping up with him. There was some time, there was a move where Cena and Styles did like a rolling flip together. Where literally their bodies levitated off the ground, spun 360 degrees and then landed. I couldn't tell you how they did that. Yeah. Because honestly, I've seen AJ Styles do that to like cruiserweights and I'd be like, holy shit, but John fucking Cena. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh my God. I never thought the day would come when I'd consider using a John Cena match for a classical wrestling video. And this was very much ticking those boxes, I'd say. It was beautiful. Has AJ Styles kind of... Have you, have you come around on him a little bit? Because then when AJ first debuted, you know, around the time of the Rumble, and he had maybe... His matches weren't as, like, explosive or didn't maybe put him across as well. I was just wondering, like, has your opinion on AJ changed? Because he has, you know, he, developed, he delivered all those awesome matches with Roman, and now with Cena, he's just had some real fucking classics. I mean, would you consider AJ Styles to be, like, up there in a higher tier wrestler now, or is he still someone you're a bit unsure of? I put him in the same boat as I'd put Chris Jericho, I think, mm. in that I know now that any match with him in is going to be a good one. Yeah. It's worth watching. And it's probably kind of similar to Chris Jericho as well, it kind of compared to Chris Jericho before he turned heel. Yeah. And that I didn't love him, but I know he's a really good wrestler. So yeah. I still don't love AJ Styles. I think AJ Styles as this like heel character, I don't know if... That's the best. I couldn't tell you if AJ's a better face or a heel because I've always, like, his character's always been so secondary to what he can do in the ring yeah. almost. But I'm so happy to see that he beat John Cena clean. And for everyone who was fucking throwing their laptops and canceling their network subscriptions and pissing their pants, you know, when Cena pinned AJ last month, here, he pinned him clean. Yeah. On SummerSlam after a match where. They threw everything at each other. You know, that was one of the most intense Cena matches I've seen possibly ever. Yeah. I thought it was fucking phenomenal. And when we watched that match and we were like, holy shit, we were both blown away. Goosebumps, hairs all raised up. How much is left on the show? We're just under halfway through. What? I'm so full and bloated at this point of wrestling. We had to turn it off at this point and then come back for another little one down the line. We'd like started watching from like seven o'clock in the evening and it was like getting towards bedtime at this point. We're like, oh Jesus, imagine watching this all the way through live. I, on, it's, it's, it ta- when a match is that good, it, it exhausts you. Yeah. Because the adrenaline is pumping, you're like sitting over, they, you know, when they do that properly. And it doesn't happen all the time for me anymore because I'm an old wrestling fan and I've... I've watched for 20 years and I've seen all sorts of things, so I'll never be surprised. They surprised me here, you know? Mm. And anytime someone's like, oh, too many finishes, well, as long as these guys can still do this, maybe I'm not as good a wrestling fan, but, you know, I felt like I was eight years old watching this, so yeah. I absolutely adored it. It's probably one of my favourite matches this year. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really good. And I couldn't really tell you going in that much. I mean, I didn't care that much about the AJ or Cena feud at that point. I really didn't. You know, it's it's been done, really, the, the feud stuff. But even still, that was a great, great match. 
Who came in then to calm us all down? <sighs> lot of action there that we just had. Time to calm us all down. It won't be SummerSlam, Joe, without the annual appearance of Jon Stewart. Oh, yeah, Jon Stewart was there. I'd forgotten about him. Now, I can't. You were asking me, is it like a thing that Jon Stewart shows up at every SummerSlam? Because he shows up. Is he like the SummerSlam mascot? (laughs) I couldn't tell you what he's doing there. Because last year he was like leaving the Daily Show and there was all this. He was doing some movie and there was all this kind of. Hype surrounding him. Yeah, it made sense for him to be there. He's not on TV anymore. He's left The Daily Show. Yeah. I have a funny feeling that Vince McMahon doesn't know that Jon Stewart's not on TV anymore. Right. Because that's the only reason he would invite him there. Oh, Jon Stewart, he's on TV. Good cross-promotion. He's not. He's literally only there with his son. That's the only person he's going to promote it to. And he... uh, John... Are you, are you a John Stewart fan? Because I, I mean, I love The Daily no, Show. No, I don't it's know really much a... about him. I've seen him on a couple of clips of The Daily Show. We don't really get it in the UK. Yeah, they've made it very difficult to watch. I mean, but you wouldn't have been someone who, like, watched The Daily Show kind of regularly previously, would you? No, like, never, no. never. I've seen, like, a few clips in my lifetime. Yeah. I know he's very funny and he seems like a genuinely smart cool dude. dude. Yeah. yeah. But fuck me, he's terrible on... But like any kind of wrestling appearance. I don't want to see him in wrestling. He's you not know? good. He seems like he's going to corpse all the time. Like, constantly looks like he's going to break out into laughter. <laughs> That's no good. No, like. it's not any good when you're there and you're supposed to be heavily intimidated by Stephanie McMahon. And you it, look like you're giggling. He, he's kind of like... I don't, it, it, it just goes to show that just because you like someone doesn't mean they should be in wrestling. Yeah. You know, there's loads of people who I really love and then it's like, you know, I don't want to see them make an appearance in wrestling. John Stewart's one of them. Stephen Colbert, I would also put in that bracket. He's entertaining. I don't want to see him in wrestling because the styles of humour, the type of people they're trying to reach, all you're getting from when you have an appearance from John Stewart is just compromise. Mm. He's trying to do his style of humour within their framework. Their framework is nothing like his style of humour. So people like me who like John Stewart kind of go, oh, this is fucking awkward. He's just kind of doing weird, awkward WWE shit. People like you who don't really know who he is are probably just going, who is this old man and why is he coming out? He says he came out to be a new member of the New Day to replace Big E. That's not what the Brooklyn crowd wanted to hear, folks. When John Stewart comes out and he's like, I'm here to take Big E's place. Like, boo! Yeah, I'm sorry, but you don't get to take away Big E and replace him with John Stewart. No! We want Big E! Could it not have been if they... Because, you know, the New Day have got their finger on the fucking pulse. Yeah. I am so sure. I know really nothing about modern music or kind of a lot of modern popular culture. But I'm sure that Xavier and Kofi and Big E could have known, like, someone, like, a musician or an artist or just someone who, like, would reach out and actually connect with their fan base. Yeah. And, like, the way that the New Day always do with their kind of constant modern references. And instead, you have the New Day coming out. They don't even say anything to Jon Stewart because they're like, oh, fuck, here we are. a tired old white man. Like, I mean, come on. I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to say, hey, they should have had a black guy out there, but it's just like... At the very least, someone culturally relevant. Yeah, to the New Day and to their fans. It's not Jon Stewart, like, it's simply not. It's like, hey guys, it's us, the New Day, let's go play Pokemon Go and, you know, talk about, you know, Beyonce hit me up in my DMs and watch Jon Stewart, like, it's not really, you know... Like, I don't want to see fucking Jerry Seinfeld come out as well, you know, I like him, but he's not relevant to them at all, you know? Yeah, he'd have worked great, this is is totally random armchair booking, but I want to see Eric Andre come out with the Yes! (laughs) 
Him running around through the entire Barclays Centre. Good ah! <laughs> <laughs> or like Hannibal Barres, or just someone who's fucking... Hannibal Barres, I think, is a little too low energy. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your two-time chance. And feel the power. <laughs> but he announced, um, he announced the New Day coming out. They came out. You could tell that there was a bit of a fire lit under them because Jon Stewart got the New Day's promo time because the New Day didn't say anything. They just came out and were happy to be there. Mm. Then we had Gallows and Anderson come out. So weird. With their doc... I mean, you turn away for one minute, Joe, you've not got internet, and then Gallows and Anderson are there doing their best Grey's Anatomy cosplay. Mm. I mean, you and I. I mean, we're, we're. I mean, we're we're a power couple. So obviously, we watch our Grey's Anatomy. Of course. Season twelve, when they killed off Shepard, I was like, "Look, a line has been crossed here. I'm simply not able to enjoy the show anymore. Like everyone is dying." Yeah. And I like the new characters, but Machine Gun Carl Anderson and the big LG Luke Gallows simply are not believable as interns in Seattle Grace. <laughs> I don't want to see them there. I think they have no interactions with Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the point of them being there, you know? When are we going to get the other spin-off other than Private Practice, which no, is just about... No, Private Practice is when AJ Styles goes over to SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> and becomes an obstetrician or something. Yeah, and like he's na- at the start he's naked and he sees John Cena. He's like, oh, you didn't tell me John Cena was here! Like, I, I think there's... there's there's a wealth of things they could be doing here. They came out because in their doctor's uniforms because they ran Big E's uh, groin into the ring post. So Big E's um, testicles have been damaged. Right. And they've gleefully been doing really shit like, ooh, you know, he's gone nuts, this guy. Uh. Hey, are you ready? It's the end of the term, so it's time to sit your test. Ickles. It's, it's, it's bad, isn't it? And what's really bad as well is the fact that the New Day have been making those jokes as well. Like, That's it's not... weird. Yeah, they did the thing with, like, Diddy, uh, who guest appeared on Raw, and then they were like, kind of going, oh, yeah, you know, that was nuts, the whole thing. <laughs> Our friend's groin is severely damaged. He may never be able to reproduce. The jars of piss that the club brought out with them. They had a big jar for Big E, a slightly smaller jar for Kofi, a small, small jar for, for Xavier, and then out of his breast pocket, they took this little tiny shot glass and like, nah, it's you, John Stewart. Haha, <laughs> ha, you hardly ever piss. <laughs> <laughs> Is that supposed to be insulting? Yeah, it's to roll the, the, the fans up so they go, you piss lots and lots. <laughs> it's also the weirdest, like, Goldilocks spoof I've ever seen. This piss is too big. But this, this piss, piss is, is just too... right. There was, like, an egg, a pickled egg floating in, in Big E's was one. Was that what it was? It looked like that. Now, I'm going to tell you this, right? There's A friend of mine used to do loads of screenplay stuff, and he would always use this analogy, which is, like, if in a screenplay or any sort of movie or a TV show... If there's a gun shown in the scene, it has to be fired at some point. Right. That's just like a thing, apparently, in old-timey filming. If you have a jar of piss in wrestling and that does not get poured on or smashed on someone, that is just fucking needless teasing. How can you bring out four piss jugs and not do anything with them? 
Really? Well, Biggie drank the piss in the oh, end. Oh, that was so weird. Why did he drink the piss? I don't know. I wanted to see Gallows and Anderson have piss thrown on them. Yeah, or John Stewart have piss thrown on that them. That would have been great. I'd have loved to see John Stewart covered in piss. But yeah, why did Biggie... He drank his own jar of piss as well, didn't he? The I one think with he, the he, egg was, in. he was trying to psych him out saying that, hey... I'll drink piss for you. I'll drink this big jar, this big sample. Because you don't... I don't sweat you, Gallows and Anderson. It was a... An odd statement, but Big E's character has always been a little bit weird. Yeah. And only Big E could return with a house of fire, come out running the match. This match ended in a DQ because of Big E's big return. And him coming out clearing house. And the friends, yeah! And then he drank piss, yeah! <laughs> I mean, if anyone's to do that, it's Big E, I guess, because he's, he's weird. Like, that is Big E's thing. But he drinks piss. We <laughs> drinks piss. I don't want to. I'm turning on Summers. I want to see fucking piss jugs. Oh, hanging around, <laughs> dancing around with a dirty old fucking dog, John Stewart. Uh, it was weird. The match was weird. I mean, I can only assume that Gallows and Anderson will win the title belts eventually. The match was very short. The only bit that made me laugh was that John Stewart, before they beat him up, he went, hang on a second, and he tucked in his shirt. Because remember last year when Cena beat him up, his weird, gross, old man abdomen was on display. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, he, he wore like kind of a short jumper shirt thing last year. So when he got the FU, there was a lot of a lot of midriff on display. What were people mean about his midriff? They were. That's all they tweeted about. Oh, that's a bit harsh. So this year, when he poured the beam up, he would hang on a second and he tucked it into his I'm pants. Sorry, but I bet a lot of the people who are making fun of John Stewart's midriff haven't got their own perfectly defined abs either. Wrestling fans, every one of them a Greek god, <laughs> sculpted from the marble of Athens. It was, this whole match was weird. I know I was saying we needed more breather gimmicky segments, but this isn't what I meant. You didn't mean a piss jug segment. I meant, well, piss jug's fine, but don't drink the piss jug. <laughs> don't have Jon Stewart in the piss jug drinking. And why was Jon Stewart in the match wearing a New Day t- it was just It was weird. Biggie was injured, so they needed their thirds to do but the like, Don't You Dare Be Sour. So. Jon Stewart being a fan of the New Day has come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's true. And it's weird after, like... He was wearing a Booyo shirt, though, Joe. What more proof do you need? But, like, last year, he was a f- he was supporting Seth Rollins, right? Yep. So now he's just completely just supporting a face team. Like, it's, it's just weird. It's inconsistent. And am I right in thinking that the segment of the club backstage where Finn Balor comes in and pulls a face... Yeah, he did pull quite the face. Was that before this? Yeah, it was. So they're going to... Imply some kind of club reunion, or didn't? Because he didn't, he didn't turn to them. No, so I think but they he were, still was there and pulled a face. They wanted you to think about those four guys exactly, yeah. and then said you're going to put Gallows and Anderson in some piss jug match with John Stewart. <laughs> piss jug on a pole. If you don't book that for Night of Champions, I swear to fucking God, like you know. Oh, wow. Wait a minute, Kofi's trying to count, but he's tangled up in all these piss jugs. He's got to be very careful here, Michael. If he moves too quickly, one of those piss jugs could open up and there'll be weak old piss. It's the way of the road, we all know, Michael, but you never know what's going to happen in the WWE. <laughs> Thank you, WWE, for finding a way to bring in piss jugs into wrestling and make me upset at the end of this match. You've still The feud's still going. There's still time. But someone needs to be smashed upside the head with a piss jug. I'm still so angry that Big E drank the piss. I just honestly, I'm in fear. Is it supposed to be piss or is it supposed to be apple Have juice? you got this thing in your head that Vince McMahon is like, Big E's about to go, oh, I'm so excited to return. Come here. 
You go out, you drink that goddamn piss. And Biggie's like, please, no. You drink the goddamn... You take two big drinks, you come back here, you ain't got a job, pal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you're like live, you're holding him over the edge there. Please, sir, I'm an established and talented wrestler. Don't make me drink that piss. What would you rather, Joe, that Biggie return to his fans and not drink a jug of piss? What are some fans Why not, though? Oh, it's just, why did he drink it? He could have literally, he could have thrown it at Gallows and Anderson. Yeah. They could have um, spilt the piss and John Stewart could have fallen in the piss. That would have been funny. Um, they could have poured the piss on someone. They no, they would have. The, problem, the original plan was to pour John Stewart with piss, and then Vince was like, "Oh, hang on, guys, we don't want any bad coverage on the Daily Show." <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. An interesting match, let's just say. A grave misuse of piss. It did suitably bring the mood down after the high octane John Cena AJ Styles. <laughs> I will say as well, I did like Gallows and Anderson's color scheme, which made them look like angry buzzy bees. With the yellow and the black, a big fan of that. Coming up next, singles match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship as the man, the champion, the face of SmackDown, Dean Ambrose, taking on the off-maligned Dolph Ziggler. I was so unenthusiastic about this match going in because I didn't see any of these supposedly amazing promos that Dolph did. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Dolph Ziggler can, at the drop of a hat can cut an amazing promo. See, I haven't seen any yet. Most of the time, Ziggler, like, for literally the last two or three years, Ziggler, on the WWE app, which is, they don't broadcast on TV, but if you're watching along on the app or whatever, you can see these little extra bits. And Ziggler, very frequently, just after a random match where he's lost, whatever, will just cut these, like, really passionate, like, I go out there every night, and he's tears in his eyes. Like, kind of like, like the Miz thing, where he's going from a, a real place in there. You can tell it's real emotion, yeah. real frustration about his position on the card. And, like, they were... A lot of this build here was the whole idea of, like, hey, it's SmackDown, it's a new era, it's time for some, you know, someone else to get a chance. And they built around this whole feud, which was Dolph being like, it's finally my chance to get, you know, a time in the spotlight. I'm told one day here that I'm too good, I'm told the other day that I'm not good enough, it's really frustrating, I've been held down. And Dean Ambrose's whole thing is like, yeah, well, in fairness, like, you know, you've been hitting that glass ceiling for the last four or five years and no one gives a shit. You're all hype. You're actually not as good as you think you are. Cool feud. Weird, though, because Dean Ambrose was coming across as a right heel. He was pure heel in this, Ambrose. Pure heel. And I I say that, so I love Dean Ambrose and I'm not a huge Dolph Ziggler fan, so I kind of thought that I'd automatically be siding with Dean Ambrose. Instead, I was just like, aw, it's mean. Ambrose would be like, his whole thing is like, because he's the champion, he's like, look, I've fought so hard to be where I am. All you've done is complain. You right. know, and if you were as good as you say you are, you wouldn't have to be complaining and moaning all Which the time. Which is like, total heelish, just considering even a new fan like me can tell that Dolph Ziggler hasn't been given the opportunities that he maybe could have made the most of. Yeah. And it, 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 there was, I like that setup for it. But I think the problem was with them going with Ambrose kind of, he was really heelish in this mm. match. And Ziggler as well. I'll tell you right now, I'd not at any single point in this, even in these circumstances of, you know, new era, new show, new brand, we desperately need new storylines, new guys to be put over. Not at any point during the suit, or particularly during this match, that I think that Ziggler had a remote chance in hell. No. And no one in the crowd did either, because no one reacted for any of Ziggler's near falls because they didn't think Ziggler was going to win. I think this whole thing with Ziggler would have worked really well against someone else. Not Ambrose. Not like, of Seth Ambrose. Rollins. It felt, Ambrose felt like he was doing a Seth Rollins role here. Like saying, you're not as good yeah. as me. You know, kind of. 
But even then, I mean, it needs to be... I think even Seth Rollins wouldn't have worked because you just you'd know Rollins would win. Yeah. You need to put it against someone where you're genuinely like, huh, maybe he... You know, maybe Ziggler could win. Maybe this is the finally the push that they've been needing to give him all along. The, the sad truth was is they just needed someone to keep Ambrose kind of occupied busy, yeah. and busy. And, you know, in terms of this being the new era, new brands were on SmackDown... I think they did a really fucking piss poor job of putting over SmackDown here. Yes, obviously Cena and Styles is a SmackDown brand match, but the World Championship for SmackDown seemed like such a an afterthought, like not a big deal. I mean, if you're someone who's watching this who's not watched wrestling in a few years and you see Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler fighting over that belt, it just felt like you know this easy could have been an Intercontinental belt match. And that's no, I mean Ambrose is awesome, but Ziggler I think is irrevocably damaged. Because they gave him everything. They gave him his promo time with, with Ambrose. And he had some awesome promos. They had him lay out Ambrose loads of times. Like Ziggler's getting the edge on him. And even with all that, no one bought it. Because no. everyone knew, Ziggler, you're going to be back down the card. You're not going to be the man. Special mention about the fucking commentary. Oh, God. Oh, I'd repressed that. I, that. That shows you how good the Styles and Cena match was, folks, because that SmackDown commentary team, the first four minutes of that Cena-Styles match, I was fucking furious yeah, because yeah. I, I was like, here's this amazing match. It's going to be so good. And these fucking idiots won't stop talking over each other. It's the worst instance. I mean, I zone out a lot of the commentary stuff anyway, so I, I don't think I'm as sensitive oh, to it as you are. Oh, Jesus. It was fucking horrendous, though, yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. It was just abysmal. What do you think of David Otunga and JBL and uh, his commentary? I mean, I think David Otunga has a cool voice. and It's a different voice as well. It's a soft-spoken yeah, kind of, yeah. It's, he's, it's got a nice voice to listen to, but unfortunately, there's a lot more to commentary than having a nice voice and part of that is like knowing when and when not to talk Ball game. over other people Ball game. <laughs> it was awful they kept and it seemed as well that they brought down Mauro Ranallo with he them he was fucking despondent that poor lad because the first match these lads commentated on was Miz and the Cruz and I thought right it's live it's their first big show together give them a little bit of time I'm sure they'll be okay it got worse than Siles and Cena and by this match here this fucking Oh, Jesus Christ. It was so much fucking worse at that point. It's like you could all audibly hear them resent each other. And like it was like almost like they were trying to intentionally ruin the other's comments. Like, any time a big move would happen, all three of them... <laughs> Side out slam, Maggle. What the fuck, lads? Just a mess. It was such a mess. And what really upset me about it as well is that there were clearly moments then... Where JBL was told, you just be quiet for five minutes mm. and let these two lads go out. Because there was times where JBL was his arms folded, looking at his pencil, doing nothing. Mm. And then he would kick back in. And fucking Otunga, like, if you're going to interrupt someone, if you're going to interrupt someone, at least have your fucking sentence. Hang on a second, Maro. Um, you know, don't interrupt someone to misspeak. Yeah. I'm just saying there are fucking low-rent podcasts out there that are of more cohesive fucking auditory <laughs> narrative than these three lads. And guess what? These three lads are all making six fucking figures probably for this job that they're doing. Jesus. So bad. 
I have to say Cole, Graves and Byron Saxton when By Byron comparison, yeah. are, are doing well because you've got two guys there Saxton and Graves who are obviously still learning a bit and Cole is good at deferring between them and they obviously know that Cole is the main voice and they sit back for him mm. and when Mauro Ronaldo is there trying to be this voice this fucking narrative of the match and the lads just shout over him it's awful I think JBL maybe he assumes because he's been on commentary longer he's got the that he's got like the kind of he's in charge and he should be the one who sort of narrates but he can't do that he's not got that skill what I've always viewed as the reason they call him colour commentators and there's a play-by-play guy is literally the play-by-play guy draws out the picture yeah. as in you see the, the, the outline of what it is the colour guy colours it in it yeah. shows you the different aspects the shades of what's happening and that way you don't get people talking over each other but all trying to call moves all trying to react to things what you've got here is JBL getting all of his finger paints and turning them upside down onto the table and squeezing them all out there going ah 1970 Texas Mario, Mario I hate you and Mario Nalo's there with his HB pencil really trying hard to draw and they'll see what's happening there. and then David Otunga slips and falls on and gets paint all over his big jumper <laughs> that's what's happening here yeah and it fucking stunk. And when the match is like, when the match gets to a point where it's kind of like, oh geez, and you have to turn here, and just all you can hear is the commentary, and that ruined Ziggler and Ambrose for me because yeah. that match was okay, but the crowd lost it mm. because they didn't buy Ziggler, and then all I could think was that fucking commentary. No thanks. Just, oh, just so bad. Coming up next, six women tag team match with our new women's roster over on SmackDown. A really cool looking bunch here. Eva Marie was meant to be in this match. That was so funny. That was great because I love Eva Marie's entrance. That, yeah, because I told you when yeah. when that when she first did that entrance, I ran in and grabbed Joe and I was like, Joe, look, this is basically if you were a wrestler, this would be your entrance, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but Eva's had this thing for the last month where she keeps having excuses. So like the announcer goes up and then it's like, unfortunately, Eva Marie is stuck in traffic. Or <laughs> they did like a week where she had like a wardrobe malfunction so she couldn't come out, you know. And That's right, I didn't know they'd been doing all this Yeah, th- th- and she's been suspended now. And this originally was meant to be uh, Natalia, Bliss and Eva Marie against Becky, Naomi and Carmella. Mm. And instead what we got was uh, Nikki Bella coming back and replacing Eva, which was awesome. But yeah. Eva's an entry saying, you know, she's not here tonight because unfortunately she's... Anxious and depressed. Because of harsh WWE yeah. fan reaction. I thought it was really funny. I was really hoping there that unfortunately, due to a violation of the wellness policy, Eva Marie has been suspended for 30 days. <laughs> we wish her the best in her future endeavours. <laughs> Nikki Bella coming back. Awesome. I'm really excited. Me too. I think that Nikki Bella is, like, with this crop of of ladies they've got on SmackDown, Mm. I think that Nikki Bella is going to be able to help get some other people over. Yeah. And really establish herself, because I feel like over on Raw, where you've got Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte, I think Nikki's almost too much of an alpha to be over there. Yeah. Whereas on SmackDown, it's kind of, the story is you've got, like, younger characters like Carmella and Alexa Bliss, kind of, and I think Nikki really fits in really well there plus John Cena's on Smackdown oh yeah although John Cena leaving his armband in the ring was meant to be symbolic Joe so you know it could be symbolic that he's going to go make another season of his shit reality show oh I didn't know he had one yeah it's crap it's Aww. how it got a second season is beyond me. <laughs> I thought, yeah, Nikki Bella can make awesome I'm really excited for her especially seeing as she's apparently been training with Bailey or Becky Lynch, and I can't remember which. One of the bees. I think it's Bailey. 
I must say, I've been really impressed with Alexa Bliss, who, out of all the call-ups, just looks like a star. Yeah, she does, yeah. And she's doing her whole, like, mean girl thing when she came out, like, she was like a fan who was like, trying to hug her. She went, oh, yeah, and they just turned around and like, pulled this, like, asshole baby style. Her, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's such a great character. So cool. And I think she's really fitting nicely there. Naomi's new gimmick I, I'm really sorry I don't know more about it due to lack of internet access and stuff, but I swear I saw people on Twitter complaining that her whole thing, like the bodysuit and all that that she's wearing, and the, it's it's apparently lifted from an indie wrestler. Ooh. Or someone is claiming that much, at least. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I honestly don't know. But It's a very cool gimmick. It looks awesome. I, I think it's a really cool thing for, for Naomi, and I think Naomi's a great, much better as a face than as a heel, I think. Yeah. And I liked... You know, if you're going to have fucking light up shoes and do all that, go fucking whole hog and whole rave thing. I thought that was really cool and really... Well, it seems like it's really unique. I hope yeah. it's not just nicked from some poor fucking wrestler on the indies. But I thought it was it was cool for Naomi and I'm happy to see her back wrestling. Yeah. Carmella as well. Uh, not getting her, her mic time coming out this time. No, she's not. Carmella seems slightly awkward on... Here. Yeah, she did stick out. In this, I really enjoyed this match. I really, really did. Mm. And I felt that Carmella did come off as like a bit of a weak link here in terms of you know the confidence or the you know the her off when she was on offense. Like she had a part where she kind of cleared house a bit, and it didn't really connect with the fans as much. I still don't understand why they moved her from NXT. She would have. She could have been such a star there. I think if they gave her a few more months in NXT and did a program with her and Asuka, I think they've missed that opportunity yeah. now, and they've. I've, when I see Carmella, I just think Apollo Crews in terms of they're like, well, we have to either, you know, they've decided they either have to put her on the main roster or that's it. And they've decided we're going to put her on the main roster. So sink or swim, kids, you know? I think, yeah, if they'd kept her on NXT with Asuka, they could have made her out to be this fantastic underdog like Bailey. Yeah, I because think... Carmella is clearly quite heavily influenced by Bailey and inspired absolutely. by her character. So why not go with that? I think they really It's not like there's an overabundance of underdog women on the roster. I guess they just feel the need to fill out the ranks of SmackDown so much that, you know, that took precedent over her individual character's development. Yeah, it's just a shame because I kind of feel like she's been diluted a lot now. Absolutely, now she has. On the main show. This match, even though it was a six-woman tag match, which normally is how they just would have went about their, their business booking women's matches, I think what reason why I like this, I guess, is because this is... This is the division now in you know in NXT sorry on SmackDown, and these six women are actually going to be fighting for the the SmackDown Women's Championship at their next pay per view. Right. So I thought it was important just to kind of on a big stage like a SummerSlam for a lot of the fans who maybe don't know a lot of these characters just to see who all these ladies are and to kind of get a sense of them because I thought that they did a really good job at getting across everyone's character in this match. I didn't at all. Really? Yeah, like not in the slightest. Wow. <laughs> I thought and said everyone came across as really diluted and weak. Was that as a result of like, do you think the fans' reactions kind of made it seem a bit like that? No, longer? I think they didn't give them enough time for their entrances. I don't mm. think they gave them enough time for any promos beforehand. Like they just didn't really give them any time at all. Yeah. Nikki got some time, but Nikki, of course, she has to. Yeah, I think it kind of maybe. Maybe the, what I said was the original plan almost, and then it kind of became the Nikki Bella return show almost, because yeah. that was what the focus seemed to be then, yeah. Well, I didn't even get to see Natalia's entrance gear, because they so quickly cut away from her to yeah. um, to whoever came out after. I think it was Lexa Bliss. Four-hour show, I mean, you gotta... <laughs> you gotta you know, there's no time, honey, for, for women to get their wrestling entrances, oh, obviously. No, obviously. Fair point, I guess. I mean, I think these six women... 
I think you got the mixture of experience there with, you know, Natalia and Nikki who know what the WWE kind of management, like, kind of expect, I guess, in terms of the, the style or whatever. You got Alexa, Naomi and Carmella who are maybe kind of more kind of on the up and learning a bit. And then you've got like Becky Lynch, who I'm pretty sure could have an awesome match with any of these women. But then that's exactly my point. Because like, and it's weird as well, because Nikki Bella is back as a heel, it seems. Well, funny you should mention that because they've done a thing now where Carmella has turned heel on Nikki and like really viciously as well. Really? So Nikki's actually going to be a face and Carmella is going to be a heel now. So. Okay, well that's a bit mixed up. Maybe they could have planned that you know, a few days more in advance. Yeah, th- I Seems don't know if like that was... like a bit was... of an afterthought after this. It was obviously not the plan when this match was being put to paper, but obviously like... this match also involved Eva Marie originally, so plans change. Because if it was me, I'd have had Becky Lynch going up against an, like a mystery opponent. Yeah. I'd have had Nikki Bella come back yeah, and go up yeah. against Becky Lynch, because that would be awesome. Mm. That would be great. They're both fantastic wrestlers. Instead, I guess Nikki's trying to ease herself in, because she was hardly in this match, actually. She's got a new finisher as well, not doing that really sore fucking rack attack thing anymore. She's doing That's a good. TKO instead. I thought Nikki looked really awesome in this, she, though. Yeah. You know? She... It's completely, I was saying this when they all did their entrances, her stage presence is unlike almost any other wrestler I can think she of. She comes off like way more of a star than so many. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because it. she's that talented or that experienced or because she associates with John Cena, like she's obviously been trained by him. There's a bit of that, I think mean, also as well as the fact that like, I think Nikki Bella, when she's not wrestling, is either filming for a reality show or on like red carpets for other stuff. It. It's just, I think when you are constantly in that world of stardom you know does that rub off I guess (laughs) I think there is more to it than that because like stage presence is something I think it's it's something you either have or you don't have or you've got to work really really hard to learn I think I I certainly think she looks like more comes off like more of a star than she has previously yeah I've not always thought that the best no 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 I never really thought they were stars like way you know first debut like six years ago whenever well when I first started watching I didn't really think much of the Bellas I think they have come I think so yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see now Nikki on her own now without Brie and see how kind of it goes forward. Mm. But I guess the reason why I'm giving this so much kind of, you know, love when it's not without its problems, obviously, is that I'm genuinely excited. I think this is about this kind of crop of women that they have here. I kind of feel like every time they've been doing stuff with the women on SmackDown, they've been trying to incorporate them all in and try... It's not just kind of like, here are the two actual stars. Like on Raw, for instance, you've got Sasha... Charlotte and Bailey. Who were the other women on, on Raw? What are they up to? You wouldn't really be able to say, would you? Not with that list, but I couldn't say that about anyone on Raw. Yeah, I honestly but, don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess on SmackDown, it just feels like they're making an effort to kind of like, this is the division. These are the all the characters in this. And they're trying to bring everyone up at once. See, to me, that just feels like, oh, we've got these women here and we don't know what to do with them. We can't possibly give them more than one match. Mm. So let's just put them all in one match together. Guess it remains to be seen. I mean, I'm really excited for what comes next on SmackDown with the women's division because, you know, Raw's got its cruiserweights it's going to be having soon. I think that SmackDown, if they can with this crop of women here, make that their kind of unique selling point almost. Who knows? Right, so our next match was, I will say at this point in the pay-per-view, we're like fucking, you know, 14 hours in out of this 26-hour pay-per-view, however long it was, (laughs) I was getting really stressed because I'd realised that we were now like coming down the stretch into the three final matches. What a weird thing to say, like, down the stretch, only three matches to go, like. (laughs) But I was like, hey, none of the big shit that is meant to have happened has, has happened yet, has it? 
because I, I was convinced, you know, about Sasha and you were very good at no-selling whether or not Sasha was like, had broken her head or whatever. So at the point we got into this match, I was like very much on edge mm. because I kind of was blissfully unaware and then I'm like, right, if shit is happening, it has to happen in the next few matches. You were convinced that Finn was going to injure himself, I think. <laughs> Either Finn, I'll be honest, at the start, I was a bit actually more worried about Seth. Really? Yeah, because... Seth, you know, it's really easy to take for granted. He's only been back, like, a very little while. But you wouldn't know if you're fucking on Raw. He's wrestling that full fucking hog. He's right back at it, like. Yeah. You know? He's right back at it at the full pace. And honestly, my worry here was that, Seth, like, going in, is I really thought Seth was going to be injured again. Mm. And that was what was going to happen here. It was a different story, though. We have Finn and Seth here. For the WWE Universal Championship. What do you think of the Universal Championship now that you've seen it? The only... Well, the actual design of the belt or the name? Oh, well, either. I was meaning the belt. Okay. I think the belt design is stupid. I I think you are in agreement with most fans. All I'll say about that belt is that I have no problem with it being a recolor or anything like that. That's not an issue. So it's a recolor of the USA belt? No, it's a recolor of like the actual the WWE Championship, which is what Dean Ambrose has. Oh, okay. It's that, but it's got a red bit in it. Right. I'm okay with, with that. That's not my issue. My issue with it was, was kind of twofold. Number one, the title having the name Universal would indicate... I mean, Universal should somehow inform the design of that, surely. But if you were going to go with it just being a recolor, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I love that the women's belt, for instance, is like a recolor of the, the, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I think that's pretty cool. But you can't be like, what's the belt going to look like? Oh, is it all hidden away under a tarp? You're not going to see the belt until SummerSlam. And then you see the belt at SummerSlam. What were they expecting people going to do? You can't keep it as a secret and then be like, oh, it's just this. Uh, you know, and I felt that they really put themselves in a corner there by kind of being like, oh, what's it going to look like? They did a thing like that before where John Cena had this spinner belt, which everyone hated right. as, the, as the heavyweight championship because the WWE logo in the middle spun around like a little fucking record. Oh, it was awful. And he had it for years. And there was a point where the Miz, when he became champion, was like, I've got a new belt. John Cena is a piece of crap. We don't need his belt anymore. And he was like, finally! It's going to be a new belt and it's not going to be that stupid fucking spinner belt. And then he revealed the belt under this big like, brrr, you know, drum roll and he opened it up and it was the same belt except he turned the spinny bit, the W, upside down so it looked like an M and it was now static. And he's like, because it's an M for Miz, that's me. And everyone's like, boo, that's shit. This is what that felt like. Like, someone was like, it's going to be a new belt. Boo, that's shit, and you know it's... Yeah, because people are really angry about this belt. I mean, I don't think it looks very good, it, but... Yeah, it, it, look, it it's... looks a bit like it's made out of the same material as Shinsuke's trousers. It looks like it's a very delicious, like, you know those really fancy jammy dodgers that also has the cream kind of gimmick around the oh, sides? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that de- or, like, a kind of a really fancy jam tart with mm. a kind of a nice W kind of sunk in there. Yeah. Joe's clearly hungry for delicious tarts. Oh. But, um... What I will say as well, the title, the, the name Universal is really dumb. I think, right. it's, I think it's a dumb name. Why? Because anytime they say the Universal Championship, I'm just imagining Joel Gertner announcing the Dudley Boys as the reigning, defending, world heavyweight, intergalactic, six-man tag team. That's why I, just, I think it's a silly, silly name. But then again, I always thought the WWE Universe as a term was stupid as well. So mm. what do you think of it? I mean, yeah, I'm not 
like in love with it but i don't hate it as much as i mean people really fucking hate that belt like it's it was being booed yeah, that, I mean, every time i thought was that was screen. bullshit i thought that was pure bullshit that that whole booing thing there's easier ways to get across that you don't like that belt but i i thought that i mean i don't like it i mean i really don't like it i wouldn't say like hatred is too strong a word to describe my feelings about that belt i'm mm. disappointed more than anything but i thought when they were booing and you have fucking Finn Balor and Seth Rollins in there. Did you see Seth Rollins responded to it? What did he say? He tweeted saying, like, I'm absolutely ashamed about like, for Brooklyn tonight. I'm embarrassed. I can't remember what his exact words were. I wonder if that was like part heelishness, I guess. But Apparently it was shoot. But I mean, wrestling fans always think everything is shoot when yeah, it's not. So That's it could true. well be. I-, I thought it was really like, just, yeah, do it at the start when they're kind of unveiled about boo, whatever. But I noticed, like, there was stuff about that boo and stuff that really, like, informed how they acted later on down the line. Mm. And I thought it was totally inappropriate. It's like, you know what, lads? You've been there for your NXT. You've been there for fucking SummerSlam. Just, it's not about you. Kind of, you know, you've got opinions. That's awesome. Express those opinions. But when it got to that point, it was so fucking stupid. Because it just... It just seems like such a petty thing to be it so is. angry about. I, and that level of booing as well, you know, it just, yeah, okay, they obviously know it's not the best. They know that because they're doing a whole thing where Shane and Daniel are making fun of the belt on uh, on SmackDown saying it's silly. And right. Jericho on Raw was like, I want to be the Universal Champion. I've been a World Champion, but obviously the Universe is better than the World, so I have to be Universal, <laughs> you know. That it's obviously a little bit goofy, but I mean, fucking hell, lads! It's a new brand, it's a new show. They're trying, you know. It wasn't done maliciously, you know. It's not being shoved down your throat. It's just the fucking belt that you're upset about. Don't. It just seems like throwing your toys out of the pram. Yeah, really. absolutely. Because like, you don't like the way that belt looks. Like, come on, like, just say that to yourself and then think, "I'm a fully grown man." Mm. Like, is that really something? <laughs> It's just ugh. there's there's a lot there's a lot there more things so, to get upset about yeah, in wrestling, you know. There's so much shit going on in wrestling to be upset about, and you're really gonna cry over the fucking design of a belt that you won't even have to see that often. <laughs> uh, yeah, but off to a shaky start though in this match because I'm not gonna claim I'm some sort of like super psychic here, but I knew that someone was getting injured in this match because it's like someone's <laughs> got to get injured in this match and or the Lesnar match because you said there was two. I said, no, I didn't specify the number. I just said shit goes down. And but I, it was more than one bit of shit. I yeah, I said there was that. more than one. So one of them was the Sasha potentially being injured. Finn hurt his arm in this. I spent yeah. most <laughs> of the match trying to determine which arm it was, but I think it was the it's one his where right he had the, arm. Yeah, with the black sleeve on it. Yeah. So Seth power bombs him into the wall, and Finn. So it's basically they're both at fault here, from what I can understand mm. and my very limited wrestling knowledge. I'm sure Bret Hart is completely convinced that Seth is entirely to blame. He's, I'll say about Bret and Seth, Bret has got some bee in his bonnet about Seth Rollins. It's weird. It just, he does. There you go. But, but yeah, Seth powerbombs Finn into the, the barricade, is it? Is mm-hmm. what you call it? Finn put his arm back. You can see it in the slow motion replay. And, that's, yeah. and I think, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I'm not a trained wrestler. Mm-hmm. I haven't even been trained how to fall properly. But from what I've been, I've read, apparently you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to kind of let yourself fall. That's an interesting thing about that because uh, that's a, but it's an instinctual yeah, thing the body does. Yeah, it's an instinctual thing that you just kind of do. You put your arms out you to put your arms out like that. Because it's something which you have to be really careful if you've been thrown from a height in wrestling about you, you kind of go on like that, your body will accidentally put your arm out. You're um, supposed to like spread the, spread it all out throughout your body. Yeah, so you're not got, your back is taking it, not 
any of the appendages because you put an arm out that means all the force is going to be concentrated in that high pressure yeah. of the joint which is going to be bad like Eric Bischoff once was thrown off a stage and he like broke his arm because he was falling and he was like literally with one millimetre off the ground went like that and just you know so that's obviously what happened there. Yeah. And the bit I didn't know though, because if you show a fucking camera, fucking <laughs> they Rambo cut away Baller. So fast. Yeah. But Rambo Baller fucking stuck his arm back in his socket. Yeah. <laughs> you, see him, you see him lift it forwards and then slightly push before they cut away, but yeah, he's basically pushing his arm back into his socket. Badass. That is so fucking badass. And meanwhile you've got the fucking crowd booing at a belt. Come on now. That guy just put his arm back in his own socket to please you fans and you want to boo the belt. That just pisses me off so much. Now, obviously we had the Sammy thing <laughs> last month about like, oh, is he injured or is he okay? <laughs> and it's funny because there's like, there are so many guys who are doing like kind of story, and we have Rusev come up in a bit, who's also doing like a storyline injury. Mm. You know, oh, I'm, I'm injured in the storyline. And then you've got an actual injury like that. So I remember kind of, you know, even though I was like, oh, I think he's hurt his arm because he was holding it a lot and he wasn't doing moves with it. But what actually gave away for me, I think, of the fact that his arm was definitely injured was the fact that Seth wasn't working over the arm. He mm. didn't go near it. And also, like, Finn was... You could tell he was very consciously not putting any weight on yeah. it. And the announcers didn't say anything about his arm either. Mm. So all of those things are kind of like, okay, they're not trying to make a show out of it, so therefore it has to be... A real injury. Like, oh, that's great. You figured it out, Kevin. Oh, no. One of my favourite wrestlers is incredibly injured. I didn't enjoy a lot of this match as a result. Yeah, um, sad. There was a part of me that wished I was watching this live because I'm pretty sure if I was watching this live in the heat of the moment, the way Finn carried on after this, I would have been like, he's maybe hurt himself, but he's okay because he wrestled a full competitive match with, with Seth. But that wasn't the case. The case was just that Finn Balor some superhuman fucking feat, and that's the only way to describe it, was able to do all of this shit. There was no, like, moves where he didn't do what he would normally do. Seth was fucking putting him in the pedigree with the arms wrenched behind. He took another corner powerbomb in the match from Seth. Yeah. Do you wonder if it was like Finn didn't realise how badly he was injured, but if he was putting his arm back in the socket, he at least knew that his arm (laughs) would be dislocated, so... Yeah, I mean, he must... I, I don't know. I'm not at all qualified to make any guesses, really. But maybe mm. he kind of realised he was badly injured but knew what he could cope with. There are a lot of instances of wrestlers, like Mick Foley, for example, injuring themselves and then continuing on with the match because they know, oh, okay, this can be dealt with afterwards. I'm not going to make it much yeah. worse by carrying on. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine if the damage that he sustained, and I think it's three to six months is the time frame they gave. Yeah. And there was a, a word from his physician uh, the the surgeon who was working on it saying that oh the injury seemed to be like rather severe they uh, operated on the next day yeah but they said like the damage was like it was like you know on the kind it of was, the scale yeah. it was on the higher end of things so I wonder if by kind of instead of, oh no I've dislocated my arm or you know instead of just going like that and then resting the fucking rest of the match I wonder if he moved himself into that higher bracket of severity I, I wish we had like a medical expert on this podcast that we could consult on these matters maybe I just ring up my dad here yeah. is, is Finn Balor hurt or not is he alright is, is Finn Balor been hurt has he been injured is he been, re- is he been injured for shoe? is he injured for real <laughs> <laughs> I was really sad to see Finn win this match as well and getting that belt knowing that he was going to be vacated like straight away it's interesting you say you think you'd enjoy it more if you'd watched it live because I really don't think you would have I, yeah. I know I wouldn't have done because you would have been so worried what hour would this have been at this point 
four half four maybe? and it seems slow by their standards even watching it kind of casually spread over a couple of nights i think once you've been watching this show for four hours dream, and you've yeah. got everyone booing the bell and you've you know sat through all this and the, the and match that the you're, you're and... kind of most anticipating ends up like this i was blown away by the fact that they did a full 20 minutes yeah i can't believe it seth rollins that corner powerbomb. I mean, we've had a chat about this before, which is your second ever kind of pay-per-view where we reviewed with Seth powerbomb and Sting into the corner. And mm-hmm. then, what do you think about Seth then? Is he unsafe? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I mean, you as a fan, I mean, just as a new fan watching that, does that make you kind of go, I don't want to see that move. I don't want to... Because me and obviously we talked about how to D'Lo recently, you know, where he injured someone with that running powerbomb and then straight away... He didn't do that move anymore. Oh, God, that was a running powerbomb. It was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, that wasn't a running powerbomb to a corner. That was onto the ground. No, I know, but still, the fact that it's a powerbomb. Interesting. I mean, it's weird because there are so many moves that look more dangerous or that seem like Big E's whole move that we talked about. Running spear, yeah. Yeah, his running spear, which is terrifying. But powerbombs don't look terrifying generally mm. I find I mean they're really fun to kind of like watch someone do them but I don't generally sit on the edge of my seat going shit what if someone gets injured maybe even, I will now I don't know because even after the thing with Sting I was always kind of like ah that's just because Sting's fucking old like you know I'm hor- I know it's a horrible thing to say but I was kind of like I didn't chalk that up to Seth Rollins being you know an inferior wrestler having any sort of shortcoming I was just like ah oh, you know fucking Sting's old and every time I've seen that corner powerbomb since I've been like yeah corner powerbomb I love that move yeah. I mean now, would Seth doing it to Finn and, you know, but Finn's guess, careful, you know. But I guess if Finn, if he did put his arm out when he shouldn't have done, then that's kind of... I think it was just a simple case of misjudging the distance a little bit. Maybe it was the fact it was that weird new grey ringside area and they couldn't, you know, fucked with the depth perception a little bit. Well, I know? mean, it's interesting that it is a new ring for Finn. Yeah. He is used... I mean, he's been on NXT, which is a smaller ring, right? Yeah, yeah. For years. Yeah, smaller area there. But I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is me making excuses for Seth. If, if it... I'd like to know someone who actually is qualified to make this kind of decision to, to find out what they think. Interesting as well, though, is the fact that even though Finn was, you know, injured, and at least they should have known and gotten a sense of the severity of the injury during the match, but, um, you know, he didn't have doctors come and stop the match. No. They obviously feared it was okay for him to continue. And it was only afterwards, like the next day on Raw, was like, oh, yeah, actually, we're really fucked up here. And, yeah, I have to vacate the belt. Yeah. Because people didn't know, like, straight away if he was injured or not. It was not established until Monday that, yeah, he was injured and all that. So, because I would have thought, oh, you get injured like that in the match, someone, as they would say, calls an audible, which means they change the finish of the match right there and then. Mm. Um, but they obviously thought that he was okay with his fucking arm hanging off there like that to give him the belt anyway. And now we've got a really, really, really quickly thrown together tournament for the real inaugural Universal Champion. Do you think it makes Finn's character a bit shite or reflects poorly on him? Not necessarily in your eyes, but maybe in just general fans' eyes, the fact that as his big debut, he comes out as the demon and he gets injured and has to vacate the belt. I don't know what normal fan fans will think. What I do mean- you think? Because you ain't no normal fan. No, I'm a freak-ass fan. Um, a freak-ass fan? Jesus, Scott Steiner would love you. <laughs> huh? Where are all my freak-ass fans at? <laughs> um, I don't think it makes someone come across as weak. But then that's because I don't think of injury... 
I can think because because for me the the line between kayfabe and shoot is maybe blurred in a slightly different place from mm. a lot of fans. I, I, I'm just assuming that, but I wonder if it'll stop a little kid from really getting behind Finn Balor because he's this new hero, this shiny new toy, and here comes the new Buzz Lightyear, and his wings fall off, and yeah, he sticks them back in with a bit of Pritt stick, but then he has to vacate the Toy Story Championship the next night. <laughs> Does that mean Andy's not going to be playing with that toy? That's what I'm kind of wondering. I, I don't know. I mean, I. Because I don't think of injuries as being some kind of like inherent weakness or anything. It's just mm. like, you know, it's bad luck. It happens, yeah. It happens. I think we've been saying that a lot this year, though, haven't we? <sighs> yeah. Because even I, at the start, I was like telling you, I mean, if you're enjoying this, folks, $5 gets you access to all our previous episodes. But <laughs> a number of times during this year, I was like, at the start, I was like, ah, it just happens, bad, bad luck here and there. There seems to be a lot of injuries at this one moment in time. But it just seems like we can't go any time now without there being an injury. Yeah. I think if they book this properly, and I don't think they will. I mean, I've not watched any of the Raw or SmackDown shows since hmm. SummerSlam. But like, they could make use this to make Seth out to be a proper nasty yeah. fucking dickhead heel. Well, I think Seth is the logical choice now to, to win you know, this he's little tournament. Because to. he's the only guy. But you've got no Finn Balor. I mean, your next top baby face, you've got Sami Zayn... You've got That's the trouble with the putting big all show. your eggs in That's one what basket. They did. Yeah. And they did. They really did. They kind of really relied on him to to be the champion. Because they can't go back to Roman now because they very nope. much have they said, Roman, you're him. over here now. You can't be in this world title picture, assumedly. And I don't want to see Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns wrestle again. I'm, no. I'm, I'm sick of that, you know? Even though I'm sure they can have a great match. Here's a question because we were watching the Cruiserweight Classic the other day and this really kind of just popped into my head. Do you think the style or the expectations of wrestling or wrestlers is a bit high? I mean, because you got your Finn... If you take Finn and Seth as being the prototypical, that's what the style is now. Is it too hard-hitting? Is it too high-risk? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's kind of what The Miz was talking about with his epic yeah. smack talk. I promo. don't get injured. I don't get injured, and that's how I've had a career for 15 years and never once been injured. <laughs> he boys. has got an... Ab- he is right. Mm. But, I mean, I think it's all about balance, isn't it? You don't want everyone to be like The Miz. I just have this thing in my... you don't want everyone to be injured. Mm, I have this thing in my head, which is like, people think equate risk with athleticism. Mm. And Seth and Finn are so athletic, don't get me wrong. But it was the match we watched that really opened my eyes was... We watched Zack Sabre Jr. versus Drew Gulag. And <laughs> Drew Gulag is one of my favourite wrestlers. And honestly, we've watched, Jesus, around 12 hours of wrestling the last week. Still sticks out as my favourite match yeah. we've watched all week. And you have two lads who, Matt based, and the two of them, when they went at it and they were wrestling, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, the athleticism. When they were just grappling the ground. It fucking... was so fast and so, oh, just, oh, it was amazing. And, and we managed to get this perfect sweet spot of, here's all the athleticism. Here's the, holy fuck, I couldn't do that. No one can do that. I've never seen that before. Mm. And guys were on the mat, not jumping off top ropes, not jumping through tables or powerbombing people into fucking precarious positions. And I thought, I would like to see, you know, because Daniel Bryan talked about it in that Miz promo, oh, the new style, it's a harder style. You know what, I'd much rather rather if it maybe kind of veers a little bit towards that Drew Gulag, Zack Sabre Jr. or, you know, the match that um, Jack Gallagher was having his matches not saying go back to world of sport, but you can have your athleticism and your kind of whoa without me fucking sitting and going, Jesus, don't fucking die tonight, please. I think especially that would be 
especially evident with something like SummerSlam because you've got these such long shows and mm. like I was saying you kind of need dips and peaks and stuff different styles of wrestling incorporated into that would I think make it a lot easier to digest four hours of lads going hard it is it's exhausting you know it's it really is I, I, I don't know maybe I just hope they take an opportunity at some point to kind of pause and go you know, you don't have to go to the fucking the extreme of like, oh, no jumping off the top rope or no, you know, dives through the ropes. But I don't know. We need to have a little bit of an audit of what's safe and what's not and what things we can do to make wrestling a little bit safer. Yeah, it's a bit sad if people only find terrifying near risks entertaining. There's- 2015 SummerSlam, 2016 SummerSlam. It's just these 12 months... I mean, it's a fucking... It's, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I don't know if you are some sort of fucking bad omen, like the... I wonder if that's it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm here the to... The Antichrist of wrestling, like. everyone in wrestling, yeah. You start raining blood and all this horrible shit now, you know? <laughs> I'm just... I don't know. I kind of... It, it's worth... A, I don't want to... There's a part of me that's worried about kind of being like, ah, guys get injured now. <laughs> that's it. No, that's really sad. And I'm, but I'm worried that's going to happen. If that does happen, though, they are going to run out of wrestlers really they will. soon. And I don't know. I just I, I I feel I've got a lot of simpy for wrestlers. You know, I know a few wrestlers. I guess I know how you know. They've told me how hard it is. It's it's very easy to take the risk for granted. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, lads! I mean, I don't know. Be safe. You I know? think it would be kind of worth doing like a, not for us. I mean, for wrestling as a whole to kind of do a introspective reflection I suppose on how wrestling has evolved over the years as it's changed a lot in the last three years the style has just really ramped up but there's elements of all the genres of wrestling which work Mm. and I think it wouldn't be too hard to kind of look back and go right okay there's bits from this genre that is safe and entertaining and there's bits from like the Attitude Era for example there were a lot of ridiculous bits where they jump off titantrons and shit that's like awfully reckless or pushed off (laughs) but there's also a lot of like silly gimmicky stuff which Mm. looked really scary but wasn't yeah and it's kind of like little elements I think going back that you could I don't don't know if it's just because doing how to wrestling we do look at a lot of older wrestling modern wrestling indie wrestling you get to see all the kind of the best bits of each but it wouldn't be that hard to kind of go okay I don't have to do necessarily just this Mm. to be entertaining I, I could do a bit of other things as well and yeah. be safe in the process we have to go on full Jim Ross and be like I think you've got to slow it down you know because I mean yeah you look back at number the Mr. Perfect Jerry Lawler masters we talked about where like the, the, there was the one punch which is where like you know they had all this pomp and circumstance yeah. posing and flipping and dipping and then bam one punch biggest fucking pop of yeah. the night like I don't know if we can ever go back to that but I think we absolutely could with the I mean Jerry Lawler we can find a balance I hate him. we can find a balance I yeah. think is the point you know and I think I've been thinking that and mulling that for a while, but I think when I watched Drew Gulag and Zack Sabre Jr., I was kind of thinking, if there is a balance, that's kind of it. And I hope that new wrestlers who are getting into wrestling are looking up to those kinds of guys as opposed to being like, I want to jump off the fucking, you know, the top of the building kind of. I think Jack Gallagher especially is mm. like a really good example of, of all those different elements. The problem is, you see, is that you know, you've got Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. Those are great wrestlers. But fucking hell, you, we have to agree that those are two lads who are just, like, so unique. That can't be everyone. You no, know? that would be boring if it was. And I hope that, you know, new wrestlers and new crops of people who are getting trained aren't all hoping they're going to be 
you know, Seth Rollins or Finn Balor. I hope that there, you know, some people see the good sense that it's not just going to be high risk and all that. I know? think that's the nice thing about the cruiserweights as well. You get all these different people from all over the world with different influences of wrestling mm. styles and genres and yeah. things. And hopefully with that, I think that will inspire a bit more. Because I'd love to see more people use different styles of wrestling, like technical based or high flying, and kind of incorporate all these different things into their general wrestling style. I think that would help sort of... With the pacing of matches generally, it would help with people's careers and their in health. And you say all this and then all it is is a stray powerbomb where one guy's arm goes out. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of no, injuries altogether. I think that's the way it is, unfortunately, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Food for thought. Hey, Finn, you got a friend in me, though. Don't forget, okay? Next, we had a match in massive inverted commas. And whoever made the decision to make this not a match was very, very smart. Because if we had to sit through this, it would have really killed the crowd. Um, Roman Reigns, Rusev, they brawled, but they did not have their match as scheduled. It was an interesting pairing of Rusev and Roman. They're very trying much so to make Roman get cheered no matter what. You can't cheer Rusev because he hates America. It was fairly nothing. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to sue WWE like your man suing because Jared Leto wasn't in it as much as he wanted. I'm not going <laughs> to sue that Roman Reigns didn't fight uh, Rusev as advertised. One thing I will say, when Roman ran down the ramp and did his spear to Rusev like on the aisleway, that looked really cool because yeah. all the guys were like, pulling him apart and stuff like that. I'm sure they're going to continue this feud and they're going to continue having Roman be the voice of America and push all those wicked Russian women into as many wedding cakes as possible. USA! 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 Take that, Russia! You don't like frosting, I bet. Why couldn't Rusev be pushed into the wedding cake? Because it's like this fucking rule in wrestling, I guess, that if there's Only a... women are allowed to be hot and messy. Guys get pushed into cakes sometimes, but if it's like... Never in a sexy way, though. No, but if, there's a, if, there's a, if there is a wedding cake and there is a man and a woman... Pretty much sure oh, if that lady is a heel, she's going into yeah, that yeah, cake. Yeah. Like that's just the way it is, you know. And what I kind of wanted to happen was for Lana to like you know fall into that cake and then Rusev to be really enraged and to eat her out of the cake, you know. <laughs> and then like I'm going to get you, you know, Roman Reigns, and then he's like, ah, oh, I have dreadful tummy ache, and Roman Reigns is like, you should have eaten a better meal. Dinner, dinner. But yeah, Roman, there he is. I'm just disappointed that they had this opportunity to awaken in me a fetish for huge Russian athletes covered in sexy cake. Never gonna happen. And now, my dr- I will never know if that's something I'm into or not. That Clips for Sale store will just be vacant, honey. I'm sorry. It's... I'll never know if I should buy a cake for my birthday and then <laughs> get Kevin to fall into it and like, in, oh. in, a, in a Russian accent oh. fan. I will say Rusev can really rock that. I mean, I'm wondering what I'm going to wear when, when I marry the fuck out of you. Mm. But um, what I would like to wear the Rusev tan... Uh, tan vest with tan slacks with no shirt on underneath <laughs> maybe that gold chain and then get really angry you will dance for my wedding <laughs> we should totally have a Rusev and Lana thing I love Lana's wedding dress is awesome I'd wear that it was and I like that her character now is just like lady who enjoyed her wedding yeah. so much she's just wearing a wedding dress <laughs> all the time like it's going to be like in uh, Clarence where he's obsessed with that like smelly doll like you know be a year in the future and, and Lana's like no one can have Rusev but me and then she's like we're this shitty dress, gross yeah. way covered in cake and like <laughs> beard hair from room 7 and whatnot. I remember like kind of go like, wherever they play this is either going to open the show and they're going to hope that people are going to cheer for Roman or it's going to be a nothing finish and lo and behold it was a nothing finish I'm sure you've lost a lot of sleep as well wondering when you're going to get your awesome Rusev Roman Reigns match oh yeah obviously obviously 
So, our main event of the evening. Oh, Jesus Christ. What one listens to that reaction? It's so long. There's so much wrestling. I love wrestling. I really do love wrestling. But there's so much of this wrestling. It is. It was a lot. And I mean, I was very kind of at the end of this. I mean, that poor fucking crowd. They've been in that building for nearly seven hours. Yeah. you got to rethink it, WWE. You know what you could do SummerSlam weekend and break up over two nights? Yes, that would be great. Yeah. You've got the fucking Barclays Center there anyway. Mm. Like, you know, that I don't know. It just seemed like at this point... I was, like, really worried that people would be like, ugh, but it's Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton, so these lads, I think, had the benefit of just this being a unique match, which they hadn't seen before, and the build for this has been really, really great, even though, I think we've <laughs> unfairly saying, with Brock and all the controversy surrounding his, you know, his, his I don't want to call it a wellness policy violation, because it wasn't that, but his doping uh, scandal with the UFC and all that jazz... Um, seeing Brock come out on Raw and he looked just a little bit too small and Heyman coming out beside him who just looked a little bit too big it just felt there was something mildly imperfect about the whole Lesnar thing at the moment but I still got psyched up for this match so I just wasn't that I mean I'm not a massive fan of Randy Orton I like Brock Lesnar but if I'm honest I'm getting a little bit bored of him now Mm. I kind of feel he's fucking Ugh, just everywhere and even though he only wrestles like three or four times a year yeah and I guess it's just because it's recently he's been everywhere not not wrestling but just talked about like with the wait till the fucking game comes out in and, uh, October honey. well he's been all over the adverts for yeah. everything and I just yeah, I don't know I'm just yeah. I, I guess it didn't really feel like this should be the main event for me mm, I think what they're doing and I've, I noticed this Someone was asking me just before this, is like, who thinks of the win, Randy or Brock? And I thought, hang on a second. Brock last year had Taker. Year before, he had like Cena. Before, he had Punk. Before, he had Triple H. And I think with the exception of the of the Undertaker one, which had a screwy finish, he's fucking squashed everyone. What I think they're actually trying to do, and I could be completely wrong, maybe not necessarily go for a streak like the Undertaker had. The Undertaker was undefeated at WrestleMania for, you know, so many matches in a row. I think they are trying to build up like SummerSlam as being like this is the Brock Lesnar show. All the SummerSlam since Lesnar's return have been built around his match, and it's going to be in like two years' time maybe. Who's going to be the person to finally beat Brock at SummerSlam? Because that's his show, and he beats people up at SummerSlam. That's what I think they're going for. Mm. And as soon as I was like, oh yeah, he's had quite a strong showing at SummerSlam recently, has Brock. I kind of felt that Randy was losing this. I had yeah. my mind made up, like, I don't know. Oh, You're not I, a Randy fan, though, are you? Well, I mean, that's... Mm, it's hard for me to say, because I've not seen much Randy Orton. Mm. I, I mean, what I've seen of him has mostly been, like, uh, references to his greatness. And he, he and wrestled his... Seth. You saw a few of his matches with Seth, I think, oh, yeah, when before I you were watching, watching yeah. kind of regularly, yeah. I think I did like his match with Seth. He's a good... I mean, Randy Orton, whatever anyone says, he is a really, really good wrestler. Well, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just... Maybe because we haven't covered him in the episodes yet, but I know everyone loves him. Some people I, hate him. Yeah, some people yeah, hate him. Really hate him. I'm sure I I should like him. Maybe I will like him once I know more about him because he apparently is very similar to Seth Rollins. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I so you weren't kind of like... You're probably not going to this in the best kind of mind frame, I guess, because Brock you're getting a bit bored of and Randy you don't care about that I much. know what it is. I know what it is. There wasn't a face in this match for me. <laughs> I don't like either Did you of them. see how much Randy was smiling? 
that's just weird and unsettling <laughs> and makes him more of a heel in my mind. I know that Randy Orton's a bubbling pot of bitter soup underneath that fake smile. I know you hate the fact that you were injured because of a bin, Randy. Don't you <laughs> fucking high-five me, you piece Don't of shit. Don't forget the time he slammed his hand on the floor and injured himself that way. Oh, yes, which I was very happy to demonstrate with you with my Randy Orton action figure here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy and Brock, it was a cool match in the sense that they were playing off Randy's whole out of nowhere, he can DRKO at any second... You know, he hit Brock with the RKO like on the announcers table. There was a couple of real like near falls. So that means nothing to me. Yeah, because his finishing move is his whole thing is that like, you know, he can hit it any time. You'll never know when he's going to hit his RKO. But isn't that nowhere. the same with other people? RKO particularly because it's such a quick move. They had kind of some fun promos with Heyman leading up to this. The real story of this match was the end, and they do probably notice with Brock. Most times he's wrestled, there's some sort of an angle or a vibe to it where. He's going to kill someone. For yeah. real We watched him and John, for instance, when we did uh, How To Lesnar, where he you know, busted open John. Like, and the back of John's head was bleeding bad. Those stiff elbow shots. The end to this match was honestly one of the most gruesome and unsettling things I've ever seen. And this is from someone who's just after to recap the fucking Attitude Era, folks, okay? Where I've watched gifts of Steve Austin covered in blood, drinking beer, and the blood goes into his mouth with the beer. Ew, gross, ew. <laughs> but Randy Orton was manhandled by Brock. It just seemed really unnecessary. There's ways to do what they were looking to do without Randy getting that, that gash. Also, it was an 11-minute match. So it wasn't, by any means, the longest. Like, no, by a was, long way. No, Lesnar ain't going to be giving you a long match. I don't think that's in but his contract. I contracts. just think if you're going to have blood like that, because as well, because it's... But almost you've come to expect it with Brock Lesnar matches at this point. And when you've just got this kind of quite short match, followed by some guy being genuinely really hurt for the sake of entertainment, it just feels a bit... Uh... But the general rule of thumb seems to be with Lesnar is this, which is he is immune to their no-blood policy. That much is true. Right. They have a kind of thing with Lesnar, which is that if they rest, if you wrestle Lesnar, there's an expected element of we're going to go hard, so to speak. We're going to hit hard. Roman and Lesnar is a perfect example. They were hitting each other with shots that were making mouths bloody and just guys looking really staggered and dazed. The other thing with Lesnar matches as well is that there is this thing which is Lesnar's an MMA fighter, or Lesnar's skilled with his hands or whatever, he can hardway you. Now, a hard way is when someone makes you bleed by hitting you in a very specific place. Mm. Foley, for instance, when we were reading his book, talked about how over his left eyebrow he would split very easily. So he would get Terry Funk or whoever to hardway him, and they would just bop him their knuckles right there, you'll bleed. I hate it. Lesnar's hard way is his elbow, and he just. Mm. Sharp elbow. Back of the head. And he's done that to people before and they've not been completely mutilated. But Randy Orton had to get staples. Now, do you know what a staple is as opposed to a stitch? Is it like a staple? Essentially. It's when you the, the wound is so open or so diffuse that you can't actually just stitch it in like normal. You have to staple it to hold it shut. It's a quicker, nasty way of doing it. It's probably going to mean he's going to have a bit of a gross scar at some point. But Jesus Christ, when I saw Randy Orton in that pool of blood, because Lesnar laid into him when he was over on top of him, and then there's a pool of blood, and then he kind of kept going, but he was doing the lighter punches then. I, is it a case that Lesnar doesn't know his own strength? Is it a case that, you know, he went too far? It could be all of those things. 
Well, have you heard anything about this? Because I've, I've actually read a couple of things about the whole... All I've heard about this, that I've kind of... Stuff that I've heard that I kind of will accept to be true, I guess. Because there's a lot of rumours. Don't go to fucking BBC Newsbeat, folks. <laughs> yeah, I heard Brock Lesnar was fine for his... Fucking loony left BBC. You can't cover Jeremy Corbyn and the Hustings and you can't fucking cover Brock Lesnar beating up. It's fucking wrestling. Of course it wasn't really, fucking idiots. <laughs> idiots. Stupid idiots. Anyway, what I heard was that the plan was to do this ref stoppage finish. The plan was that Lesnar was going to hard way Randy. They were going to make blood. That was going to happen. Don't think they counted on Randy getting 10 staples, though. That mm-hmm. was not part of the plan. So... The finish of the match was exactly how they wanted it to go. The only thing that didn't happen the way they wanted to was I think Randy was anticipated that he would get that hurt. I'm not sure they were after that quantity of blood. No, I don't. Because when we saw Cena and Lesnar do the thing where it was all in the back of his head, you could tell that he was bleeding. But Lesnar got up off the ground and Orton was in a pool of his own blood. Mm. Like, that is the only way to describe it. Yeah. It was one of the most gory signs I'd seen in wrestling in the last 10 or 15 mm. years. What did you heard then? Like, So, I heard a few things. So... I heard that it went as planned, mm-hmm. mostly, like you said, except for the... Mostly. Except for the uh, the blood, the quantity of blood. Mm. So yeah, the match was supposed to end with, with Brock Lesnar injuring Randy Orton in some way that means the match can't finish in the way that it's, you know, in brackets, supposed to. It does make Randy Orton... Sorry, not Randy Orton. It did make Brock Lesnar seem like a heartless monster as well. You know, I mean, it got that much over. It was like, Jesus Christ, this Lesnar guy is just fucking... Get him out of here, yeah. you know? So what I heard, though, was that even though he was supposed to attack him badly, he was absolutely not supposed to attack him that badly. And I heard that he actually was fined, not for the drawing blood, but for just the, like, I don't know if it's the amount of blood mm. that he drew or the fact that he kept, because he kept going and he shouldn't yeah. have done. He yeah. really shouldn't have done. And then apparently after the match, Chris Jericho came up and started, like, causing a big fuss and was like, what the fuck have you done, Brock Lesnar? You've really hurt Randy Orton. And was basically like standing up for Randy Orton and saying like, you know, is he okay? Is he okay? Why the fuck did you do that to him? Not realising that it was kind of supposed to go like that yeah, anyway. Yeah. But I mean, you would, you would see that and oh, you yeah, would think, absolutely. Jesus. I mean, if well, Chris Jericho was going to see that and think that his friend has been hurt, or <laughs> Randy Orton's not that much of anyone's friend, but he's seen that a colleague has been hurt. Mm. If he's going to make him react that way, then obviously it's not a sight that we see every fucking day, is well, it? Well, I think... The fact that Brock Lesnar wasn't supposed to injure him that much anyway, I think he's kind of deserving of being someone fucking yelling at him and saying, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Because it's, it's, it's just a bit ridiculous. What I, I think there was a lot of reports about this, and I think what, what I would actually play out was Jericho came backstage after the, that match and he approached uh, Michael Hayes, who was like the guy, the producer guy who was right by the, the, the ring, in the mm. gorilla position, as it's known, that right. little area. And he was like, what the fuck's happened there? And Brock Lesnar like, heard. Brock wasn't there at that moment. What happened was that Michael Hayes basically wouldn't tell Chris whether or not it was a work. Why? This business needs protecting, brother. I don't know. I mean, all I can say is if you're really thinking that it's a smart idea in 2016 to try and pull the wool over the eyes of your fucking talents, that's bullshit. Especially, Especially, um, yeah, Chris fucking Jericho. Seriously, Michael Hayes. He's in his fucking, he's in his mid-40s. He's been around the block. Would you fucking tell him what's going on? And then Lesnar came out, and I think how it went through was that Jericho was annoyed at Lesnar's kind of... um, Reaction to it. He seemed a bit smug about it, didn't he? And what I hated so much about the whole thing was the fact that they've deemed it was so important 
to try and keep this secret and to try and like keep Brock Lesnar's mystique. I mean, if you were Brock Lesnar, what a weird thing to say. But if you were Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar and you've done that match and that's according to plan and the person comes up to you and says, what the fuck have you done to that person? You'd be like, dude, chill out. It was a work. I'm sorry, thing, you know, maybe we've gotten out of hand. Or just explain that, look, that I'm not... You don't come back. Lesnar literally came back as in, like, yeah, I've just fucked up Randy Orton. And then he called him a pussy and other words that they wouldn't mention, well, the, the but word, we know what words he fucking yeah, used. Yeah, what Dave Meltzer said was, it was, uh, he said some words and if they get out, he'll be in a lot of trouble. And seeing from the quotes that I've overheard, let's just say, of when the two of them were squaring off... I'm pretty sure that Lesnar was digging into the old homophobic font there, let's just say. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was like Lesnar made that confrontation happen by being kind of like, hey, you know, instead of just being like, oh, it was a work and he's been hurt. But this is Brock Lesnar we're talking about. Of course he's going to act like he's a fucking jerk. It is. And you know what? There's probably, if you asked me six months ago, I would have been like, yeah, it's good. I want to see Brock Lesnar be beat up. But you know what? It's not, that's not more important than fucking wrestlers knowing what's going on and people's well-being and clear fucking communication. And I really just, resent. Oh, yeah, I get, there's a certain mystique with the whole Lesnar thing. Because, you know, when Lesnar and Reigns faced off and no one knew what was going to happen and the whole cash-in, yeah, keeping it secret in those events, that's good because it makes it a genuinely shocking moment. And there are problems with stuff being leaked in wrestling and all that. But Brock Lesnar thinking that he's a badass is not more important than fucking Chris Jericho or whoever knowing that, hey, we're not in a scenario where fucking people get the shit knocked out of them and it's okay and we're going to try and cover it all up and work the boys and always oh, is it a shoot, is it a work? You know, that's the shit they used to do in like WCW when the company was falling apart trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. It's, it's wrestling, lads. It's wrestling. It's entertainment. Please fucking don't put your wrestlers in that situation. Because I think Jericho comes out of that looking really great. Because no, yeah. Randy, Randy Orton ain't anyone's best friend, I'm pretty sure. And then Randy came back and, also, and he's like, fucking yeah. standing up to someone like Brock Lesnar. I have endless respect for him for that. Sends a lot about the character of Chris Jericho, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You know. Because I don't think there'd be too many people lining up to fucking... To to say that. that to his face, yeah. And as well, apparently, because, you know, Vince came in and got really pissed off at Jericho saying, oh, it was a work, be professional. Apparently, Triple H came in and was like, no, Lesnar's started this. Yeah, uh, I think that's good of Triple H. I'm, as well, I'm glad to see, that. yeah, that that happened. What fucking sucks about all this, though, is that, you know, Randy's gotten his fucking 10 staples, but his head fucking exploded open. They did a thing where Brock, F5, Shane after this. You would assume to explain why Brock's going to be gone for a while. Raw, Smackdown, no, Randy's like, you fucked up my head, Brock Lesnar, I'm going to get you, or you brought, you know, you brought a fight to me, like, I've never, you know, there was no revenge kind of promo for Randy, Randy didn't get any kind of motherfucker Brock Lesnar, you took me to places I've never been before, and when you come back, I'm going to beat you, you know, So why even have all that, Why then? do that to fucking, bro- and Nelson as well, they turned around and went, Brock Lesnar, did you see what he did? He's out of here. He's not allowed to be in this company. How can you have a guy like that on your roster? You should be ashamed. The one person who vowed revenge on Brock Lesnar this week, guess who it was? Who? Shane McMahon. <laughs> who came back okay after that and was like, I'm, you're going to regret this, Brock Lesnar. Come on. And that's what really, sorry, because be, if you asked me right after I saw this, I would have been like, well... They might build to something towards this. I really feel like they've not. I feel like Randy Orton gave his body and I feel, yeah, like his well-being for Brock, nothing. I feel like Brock Lesnar took advantage of a situation that was already bent heavily in his favour. Considering he got away with all those 
you know, doping. Yeah, things. you know. They, they've given him the benefit of the doubt there and kind of like said, well, he's only a part-time wrestler, so we'll continue to let him work for us without any suspension. But then to push him as well for SummerSlam and make him one of the faces of their video game this year and then to let him not only draw blood from Randy Orton in a very unsafe way, but then to continue to do so even after the the amount that they said that was okay. And then to start a fight, a homophobic fight where he threatened, he said to Chris Jericho, I oh, won't you fucking kiss me. After all that, and they're still not doing anything with no, it. No sort of reprimand at all. No reprimand, but no push. No, nothing has come from this. It's yeah. totally meaningless. Because, I mean, there is like a horrible part of me that would still say, you know, if Randy Orton got some sort of fucking heat out of this or if they kind of built towards something with Lesnar, but it's just kind of like, no, Lesnar came here, he acted like a fucking dickhead, he did what he wanted. See ya. Meanwhile... We'll see, you in, like, we'll see you for WrestleMania and I'll come and I'll do it again. Meanwhile, Paul Roman Reigns, who, you know, violated his wellness policy, suspended for 30 days and then very much buried. Mm. And it just seems like, I mean, Roman Reigns is clearly quite a nice guy. He's, he's got Brock Lesnar is clearly and... not a nice no. guy. That's very much established like, at this point. If I was in charge, if I was Vince McMahon or Triple H or whoever, and I was in charge of keeping my wrestlers um, uplifted, positive, in an environment where they felt was productive and healthy for them, I'm sure I would prioritise Roman Reigns over Brock Lesnar. I guess the point they're always going to make, though, is that anyone who's going to be wrestling with Lesnar is kind of willingly entering into this environment because Lesnar's matches are always going to be higher profile. And, you know, Randy's probably going to get more money than anyone else in the card other than Lesnar, you know, for that show mm. because he was in with Lesnar. And I think their reckoning is, is that you enter into this kind of arrangement, which is it's going to be a more physical match. You will probably be hurt in, in you know, physically hopefully not long term but the reward there of the high profile match the big money okay but if, fine. if, if Orton doesn't get his push off the back of this then that's not fair because this is now this happened with Orton and as well with Dean where Dean just got fucked around and buried and literally got nothing from it if Lesnar's character is now going to be the guy who's literally just making the big money and people who are fighting him are just squashed and buried and they're getting hurt and there's nothing for them at the end of that I'm not even saying not about his opponents, though. I'm saying the well-being of that... The company. Of the, com- like, yeah. the wrestlers who do that. Now they have to wrestle knowing that what seems to be... The guy who seems to be the most looked after and most prioritised is also the biggest fucking homophobic jerk and also... Hurts people. ...has to draw blood mm-hmm. in order to put on a good match. But that's... No, don't think that Lesnar's coming in and kind of going, look, I'm drawing blood tonight. They're like, oh, okay. They're telling no, Lesnar to do but that. But they, they told him to draw blood, but he wasn't supposed to do it. He, I, I, I don't know what you've read, but I've read that he continued going when he was told to stop. Oh, he was he was told to hard way him. And you know, there's a point, though, you can see where Lesnar, after he realizes how badly he's busted him open, start, like his, the follow-up punches are way weaker. But at the start, he went way too hard. But... He was told by management, and Randy was also there, and obviously agreed that you will be open, open, hard way. And I think the main issue there is if that company really thinks so fucking poorly of its fans, or thinks that we're so fucking cynical that if I see anything else or you see anything else other than hard way busted open with the point of a fucking elbow from Brock Lesnar, that I'm going to go, oh, that's not real, that's fake wrestling. Use the fucking blade if you're going to draw blood. I mean, how would, if you're going to be a wrestler and you're going to say, right, there's going to be some blood tonight 
I don't want to be punched in the face. I don't want to have a fucking elbow from Brock Lesnar scraping open the back of my skull. Give me a fucking razor blade if you must have your blood and let the person calmly and fucking neatly cut themselves, which is the whole point. That was the whole point of them having a blade in the first place is because guys were getting hurt from punching themselves in the face. It's ridiculous. It's so, come it's on. such a backwards ass. You know, I'm sure there are fans out there who, if Randy Orton bladed there, they would have, oh, he bladed. Didn't you see he bladed? He didn't hit him up for real. But you know what? If you think that in a main event, like it can't be a main event without someone being hard weight, then you are making wrestling not safe. Yeah. It is it's not safe. It's bullshit. It's insulting to the fans and it's insulting to their wrestlers because if Randy got a concussion yeah. off of that, could you imagine? Because you've had how many guys recently losing their careers because Christian's not allowed to come back because of concussions, Brian because of concussions. If Randy Orton I mean I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not a neuroscientist, but the back of the head with the point of Brock Lesnar's elbow going as hard as he can. It's a fucking miracle he didn't get a concussion. Yeah. You know? That's not... For, and for a bit of blood, that's too much of a risk. Yeah. Whatever about the guys who are doing their flips and those can be a bit dodgy or whatever. But you know going in there, wow, really? Randy Orton got injured from Brock Lesnar's big fucking elbows? Of course he did! Yeah, I, I just don't like the whole thing, really. It's, it sours that match for me. And it kind of... I felt... You know, WrestleMania 30, when they, did, when they did Brock and Roman, I felt they had hit that yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. like, there's a little bit of real in there. There's a little bit of, oh, I think they're hitting each other. What's real, what's not? Jeez, I think, you know, Roman's hurt, but he's still going. That one felt to me like it was, okay, guys, you're going to hit each other for real. Rather than this one felt like, okay, Brock Lesnar, you're going to draw shit tons of blood tonight. That's mm. the goal. Like That's, that's different. I, I just think that there's no way they could have, like, that that's what they want. It's like, they wanted blood. They didn't want that, though. They didn't want a pool of blood because... I wonder if one of the reasons now that we've not had the follow-up promo from Randy and the kind of, oh, did you see last night, is that they realise how bad it comes across. Because on Raw and on SmackDown, there was no, and then Brock Lesnar, that fucking bastard, he took it too far. There's like very little. They showed a few black and white images at the end of the match, and that was it, really. No Paul Heyman kind of saying, Brock Lesnar is not going to be here. He's been suspended or fined. Stephanie said there'd be repercussions. (laughs) Whatever that means, but... Yeah, you were right. When you told me that shit was going down, shit went down. It went down in a big way. It did. I feel bad for them that they got injuries to deal with. The whole Lesnar thing seems to have been kind of dealt with now in terms of, you know, Jericho's not been punished. Uh, Lesnar's gone off back to fucking live in his cave for another few months. And Randy's going to be on SmackDown, Jesus, with that fucking nasty gash on the back of his head. But I enjoyed the SummerSlam. It was too long. Was too long, even spread out over several days. But it was great. I mean, like the AJ Styles and John Cena match saved that whole. I mean, the show overall I thought was really good, but that match in particular. Real, like yeah. If that had been the main event, I would have come out of this been like, yeah, that was that was great. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I would say like that match kind of stood out between those two shows as much as say Sami Zayn and Nakamura did yeah. at the previous kind of pairing of shows that they did you said you prefer this show to NXT do you stand by that still after going through it now? oh it's so difficult because uh... a lot of NXT you know, we were kind of they were building I guess as opposed to you know paying off yeah it's hard to compare because mm. they are such different scenarios that they're under I still think I did prefer this I mean that that John Cena AJ Styles match was so it was. It, it was, was so good. good. Damn, damn good. Well, it's been an absolute blast talking about all this wrestling. 
It's been a whole lot of us this fucking uh, past week. We take a holiday from wrestling for uh, a bit. No, more. More wrestling. Never <laughs> stop. All oh, the wrestling. Wrestling. <sighs> the wrestling is officially never ending. Um, I just want to thank everyone for checking out this episode. This is uh, usually an episode that would only be released on Patreon. We thought for one year anniversary because we did a separate takeover Holy Foley review. We put that up as the Patreon content this month and you guys could kind of get a preview of the types of... Uh, episodes that are up there so if you like the sound of this episode or you enjoyed our look back at this show all the way back the last year all the way from previous SummerSlam bookended by Jon Stewart appearances you've got a whole year <laughs> <laughs> you've got a whole year of uh, wrestling reviews uh, equivalent length of, you know you know, equivalent, uh, we, we do a proper episode for each one, so $5, and just so you know, it's not like $5 and you signed up to like a contract and if you don't pay $5 every month, I'm gonna come around to your house and do a wee or something like that. Not like that at all. You pay $5, you'll get access to all our back catalog, you download them, list them, whatever. There's other uh, tiers offered on Patreon, there's other uh, perks and benefits. But you are under no obligations to stay on board with us. If you want to just join up for one month and then leave, you can do that. The magic of Patreon. The magic of Patreon. Because I think a lot of people think wrongly that Patreon is like this kind of like... Like a subscription. Like a subscription that you have to. No, you literally, you give us $5 and you think after that, actually, you know what, I don't want to be a patron. Leave, that's fine. You want to come back at some point if another Brexit happens and fucks up your finances. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you're a crafty fan and say you've got a $5 spare... And you want to hear our monthly pay-per-view reviews, but you maybe can't afford more than five dollars. Subscribe for the five dollars. Download all of the previous pay-per-view reviews. That's like twelve episodes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Unsubscribe. There you go. That is, that's five dollars for twelve episodes. You don't have to keep subscribed. And if you want to find out any more info, patreon.com forward slash wrestling. All of our stuff is there. And if you want links directly to the Patreon post for... And if you want links directly for all the previous episodes on wrestling.com, there is a section for our pay-per-view recap episodes. Mm-hmm. They're all there. And you can follow through to Patreon from wrestling.com. But it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. I'm exhausted. Here's to 12 more months of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, folks. See ya.